There we go. We Welcome back to another episode of the Just Effing Senate Podcast with yours truly, David Baker. And I have my very good friend, sponsor, gunsmith, fishing buddy. Uh, uh, what is that noise? Oh, uh, we got uh, not very good connection over here either. Oh, well, it just like some weird, like, sound like a ghost in the background or something. Oh, a car drove by down the street. Ah, that's what it was. Anyway, I don't know what it is with the first. I mean, obviously, I can't hear it now, but when I go back and play this, um, I'm going to hear the first, like, five seconds all fucked up. I don't know what it is. Like, the first five seconds of a Skype recording, it's so fucked up. Mm. But anyway, yeah. I have Josh, Josh King for me. Patriot Valley Arms. I'm not editing that shit. Fuck no. I don't. I'm too fucking lazy for that shit. Get out of here. This isn't the Everyday Sniper podcast. <laughs> I'm not Frank. Frank. <laughs> I'll tell you about Frank. Frank is anal retentive when it comes to video and audio quality, the editing to it. My hat's off to him. I, I just don't have that bone. I don't. I don't have it in me. You know, and I, I, I really don't think pe- people do appreciate the effort he puts in. I also think people don't give a fuck. I, I think a lot of the work goes unappreciated. But you know what? Kudos to him because he sticks to it. I agree. Oh, I, I, I wish I could. You know, I wish I had that's that bone. His personal quality level. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to look at what the everyday sniper and his videos he does is what I mean, aside from snipers hide. Um, I mean, that's where he gets that. I mean, that's his brand and that matters, right? Because that's his living. I don't do this for a living. Right. So I don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we don't put out shitty machine work either. Exactly. You're not, you know, I, I will say this as far as machine, any type of error, not to say any type, a lot of different errors can happen from a machine shop or gunsmith across the board from everybody but i will say this about patriot valley arms and and josh coons is you never get no matter when it was cut you never get that friday at 4 30 barrel it, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't exist i mean it's even if it was friday at 5 4 30 when it was cut it looks like yep. it was tuesday at nine o'clock in the morning yep. you know and well, and that's machine work you know, is crazy. Well, thank you very much. But I mean, that's a credit to the to the process in place, too. You know, and if I miss something, Joe will walk back in like seamless thread protector. Right. I'll get something out. We're trying to rush something for the guy. And, um, you know, it'll head over and Joe's got it and he polishes it. And uh, and he walks back in. And he's got the tag with a highlighter mark on it and he goes hey this is supposed to be seamless oh son of a bitch okay let's fix it yeah. you know he's good he's like we have that second level of qa and that's helped a lot in the last couple of years yeah and joe um i don't know if joe was gonna listen to this or not. i imagine he will uh joe is an awesome addition to the family Joe is I love i love calling up there and sometimes when i know you got your phone i'll call the I'll call the actual shop phone. Just say what's up to Joe. Like, hey man. Right, after we get yeah. in a toggle for like five, ten minutes. All right, is Josh available? Yeah, he's in there. All right, cool. Joe <laughs> is good. Joe's good yeah. people. And he's he is, he takes his job seriously. He is 
very good at uh, customer service, customer support. If he don't know the answer, he's going to find out and then get back to you with it. And Joe, Joe is uh, a really good, um, I mean, he's a, he's like a godsend to the company. I mean, we, we talked about yeah. last time we talked about last time how, you know, we, you know, you went through some growing pains because it's like, well, when you, you went out on, on full time and you know, people started really seeing the quality work coming out and, and the accuracy of the barrels that you're, that you're making. Um, uh, and then the Hancock on top of that, um, it was, it was self was flooding in, um, whether it be the Hancock stuff on or stuff on top of the Hancock stuff, you know, just normal barrel orders or rifle orders. And, you know, with what the, 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 the help you had before left a lot to be desired and you couldn't have filled that slot better than you did with Joe. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell him that tomorrow. Do it. You know, I mean it. I mean, I love Joe. He's yeah. a good dude. Solid cat. Yep. Absolutely. So what well, you been, you know, he, he, uh, he started the, like the two thirds of the way through August of 19. And the first time I left them alone was when I came down to me, you, CL, and Jeff went out fishing. Mm-hmm. And he flew solo for three days, you know, after he'd been at the company for six weeks. He did a great job. All the orders got out. All the emails were done. The phone got answered. You know, <clears throat> I didn't. we didn't get back to the dock, and then I had 80 emails from angry people. You right. Know, that could have been bad. Took care of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially after all the work trying to get things caught back up. So it, yeah. was, it was good to be able to just take a break after almost two years of going as fast as we could possibly go with no, you know, no breathing room. Yeah, I, I know. I know if there's something I need, Joe's the guy that you you are you're the, the brains and the uh, behind the, the operation and the one that makes sure things are operating smoothly. Um, you know, nothing goes out that doesn't have Josh's fingerprint on it. And which means it's in, it's, it's in tip top shape. Um, but, uh, Joe, Joe isn't on the machines and thank God, because the job he does, it requires his full undivided attention. I'll call I'll call Joe and be like Joe, I need you to find me a break and send send me a break because <laughs> Josh yeah. has forgotten <laughs> Josh has forgotten yeah send me the that's, break yeah, and that's and it. that's what that's what he's there for and he's good at it I mean yep if it's ready to go then he's got it in a box and it's on its way out the door yep absolutely yeah he is Johnny on the spot with stuff like that he's been really good about it and um, you know we get a lot of accolades uh, from customers, you know, seeing how well Joe's handled the business and, you know, and working on things. Um, occasionally we get somebody who likes to throw a rock, but, you know, um, it, it, things happen. You know, I can't, I can't always make everybody happy. We're, we're trying to do our best. And I think by and large, we're doing a, a pretty darn good job lately. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. You have, it's um, things have def. I mean, you've, you're getting, I mean, all of your backlog stuff, everything, you know, when you do a, a sale, a run on barrels and I mean, they're 
this year, this year has been a good year for PVA as far as the growth. You have grown in, that's how I would put this. The, the growing you did had the growing pains, but now you've, you've filled, you've, you know, filled in your britches and you're fitting, you know what I'm saying? It, everything yep. is, is working like it's supposed to now and, yeah. and it's doing great work. Yep. Yeah. We, I mean, we're, um, we are almost caught up from, uh, everything. There's some odds and ends floating around right now for barreled actions, uh, where, you know, didn't have the receiver for a while or, um, one gentleman, he's been super, super understanding. Um, we just got our wires crossed and he's been waiting a long time, but he's been, you know, really a great guy, super nice guy to talk to as well. Um, you know, and that's really a blessing to have customers like that too. Like, you know, um, with all of this scamdemic bullshit going on, <laughs> um, you know, like when it first started, my two part-time guys both work in big contract and medical shops so you know when we were told okay well only essential employees only medical person uh medical manufacturing personnel can work stuff like that um you know the the three of us talked the chris kyle and myself and they're both like look man i got 75 people in the building the other guy's got 150 people in the building he's like maybe it's just better if we don't come in and um you know and we'll see how this settles out and at first it started out, oh, it's going to be two weeks. It's no big deal. We can handle this. Um, you know, here we are on day 200 and whatever of a 15 day plan. Yeah. Um, you know, for the entire country. And leave it a government. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, what have they ever touched that got better? Nothing. <clears throat> so, um, you know, it was, it, it, it was a struggle at first to get stabilized. Um, and uh and then you know we picked up another machine that's it's pretty complex but in doing so i dedicated a machine you know we had uh the, the first cnc lathe that was just doing all the contours it could do everything on a barrel but it's not real fast at it. it's really good at cutting contours um and the other lathe was split in time between making brake pieces and barrel nuts and contract parts and then doing barrels so you know, in the beginning of August, we got this other twin spindle and it's done nothing but cut contract parts and barrel nuts and brakes and, you know, all the pieces that aren't a barrel, but they make a barrel go on a gun. Right. And, um, you know, if there's any machinists out there, we put, uh, any guys listening to it, um, that machine, I think, I feel like we've really hit our stride on, um, from Friday night, Oh, it would be October 30th, right? Day before Halloween. I went in the day before Halloween after dinner, set the machine up. And by the time I got done, it was midnight and it ran until 6 a.m. I went back in on Halloween morning, reloaded the machine, checked everything. We got a bar fed, you know, twin spindle lathe. And um, from from that Friday night to the next Friday morning, one week, we ran 83 hours. So that machine had more uptime during the week than it had downtime, which is incredible. We had a huge amount of parts done. We got a big pile of parts coming up for, um, you know, Black Friday sales and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it, but it, you couldn't do that. Like, basically, it's me and Joe, right? We, we got five spindles turning pretty much all the time. And I'm running them. 
Joe's making sure parts go in and out, getting them out to plating, getting them out to heat treating, packing orders, talking to customers on the phone. Um, you know, so it's it, we're really, really busy and we're running very lean right now. And, um, you know, Joe and I keep talking about trying to find somebody full time as a machinist. But what I'm running into is that, you know, we're we get people that they don't have any firearms training. That big of a deal. Um, but we're running into a lot of stuff where we can't find somebody who can pass a background check or a drug test. No shit. I mean, isn't that the story? Everybody ha- look, I'm having this look obviously on a different scale, but I'm having the same problem right now myself. I, I fired and pressed charges yep. against two of my employees that stole got who know I don't have no idea. Thousands of dollars worth of shit. They they stole it and sold it. Um I got screenshots or drug addicts. Um well they fell off the bandwagon. They were in rehab, been in rehab and had cleaned their, themselves up. Um, when I hired him, gave him a shot and then, uh, bad situation happened as a father and son. Um, they, uh, they both clean me, you know, clean me out. And, uh, one of them is, yep. um, got 13 felonies on them right now. But in, in the since then trying to find a full-time maintenance person that can be on call, um, that can, you know, that I know if a water heater falls through a fucking ceiling at, you know, 1 a.m. that they're going to be in the condition to be able to go there and take care of the call. Um, that I'm not worried about. The biggest thing is worried, worried about them stealing. That is, that is the biggest problem I've got. So yeah, it's, it's out there. The problem, you know, times, you know, good economy and stuff like that. People don't feel the need to, to have, have the character to hold down a good paying job when they find one. So Mm -hmm. they, they, they're just, man, people suck, dude. People are fucking pieces of shit. That's the way it is. This is the way it is. So yeah, even so we give the liability that you run into running these fucking $200,000 machines or running a barrel that someone's going to have a explode, a controlled explosion three inches in front of their face. You know, every time they pull the trigger, I can, I can imagine, you know, that, Scenario. Yeah, I mean, we didn't. We don't have. Uh, I've had struggles with employees, but we didn't have struggles like you did, where you know I had to press charges. Um, but like you said, the liability level of installing a water heater versus you know doing gunsmithing work is yeah. is very different. <laughs> very. Uh, and I think a lot of gunsmiths struggle with that, uh, where you know like there's a limit on how big a business can get grown and how successful you can be because. Um, of you know who can you trust to to put their mark on it to stamp it and keep their eyes on it and that's something that i have a lot of respect for george gardner for you know for 15 years he's or more I, i'm not sure how long ga's been around but for a, wa- a long time well more than a decade they've been doing you know good rifles and he is not in the shop inspecting every single one putting his hands on it test firing it etc you know, he's got a, a a stable crew of people that are doing a good job, and that's yeah. He's got a know, level of, a level of crew to where that's not a necessity for him to do that. Right. Yep. And I'm, you he's know, good on I got to give him a lot of respect for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, good for him. Um, yeah. But uh, let's see. So yeah, I mean, we we try and fill that gap with automation. You know, the the bullets are running. Um, right now knock on wood the bullets are running an order for somebody right now um you know unattended 
and uh, that that machine is expensive. But when you look at the cost of an employee to stand there and put one bar in at a time every 20 minutes, um, the machine is actually pretty inexpensive, pretty straightforward. Paying for itself. Yep. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So um, let's let's with that said, let's get into uh, let's get into some solids talk. So what um, since we last talked, we talked about. This is the last time I had you on, um, which me and you talk about the shit fucking two or three times a week. But um, right. last time I had you on, we had the 30 cows, the six fives, the sevens, I believe, and then the yep. six mils. Uh, we talked more so about, I believe, the match line, which we still want to get into. Um, but I think the the hunting line, the Cayugas are, are kind of given the time of the year too. They're kind of taking the forefront of everything because, Hey, it's hunting season. And you know, that, that solid bullet, you know, you've got some states that are lead free bullet states. Um, you got people who are, you know, shoot, they, they hunt in an environment where, you know, it is a, it's every hunt is a long range hunt. Um, yep. And these solids are are taking it to taking long range hunting to another level because you've got better than match grade BC and then you know the the terminal performance in which they in which these bullets are doing. Yeah. Um it's Yeah, we finally recovered one out of an animal that was killed. Um you know, there's been a bunch of big game animals, several elk, a number of mule deer, some Aedad. I think somebody got a nil guy in Texas with one. Um, I didn't know what a nil guy was until the guy started talking to me about it, asking what bullet he should shoot out of a wind mag. And he starts showing me pictures of it. And uh, and I showed it to Elijah. For those listening, Elijah's my six-year-old son. And Elijah goes, oh, Papa, we saw that on Meat Eater. Yeah, he remembered a meat eater episode where they, you know, Steve Ranella killed it because if it existed, Steve Ranella's killed it and then showed you 50 ways how to cook his ball sack or something. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) I think the memorable part of memorable part of that episode was, um, no guy Carpaccio nachos. Oh Lord. Yeah. So it means an ungulate out of the heart. Um, it's an antelope. It's a big antelope. I think they're, like a big bull is 400 ish pounds. Now somebody, you know, that somebody animal. that knows no guys is, is going to probably be able to tell you that I'm, I'm off here, but, um, you know, rather than quote specifics, it's a, it's a big fucking antelope. Yeah. Um, so, but they're supposed to be pretty tough to kill. And, um, you know, the, the recurring theme with these bullets is that near or far, uh, it's a one shot kill bullet. And they do expand. They they come up to 130-ish percent of the uh, diameter, but um, you know they don't. They do kind of smash up the nose, and they're very long for caliber. Yeah. So like the, well, solids are just naturally yep, they are. Yep. They typically are. Um, you know, for example, like the um, a 210 Burger or 210 Sierra. They're like an inch and a half long, inch 450 or inch 530 or something like that. They're like right around an inch and a half. Um, 
the 210 Cayuga is an inch three quarters long. So it requires a, a one and nine twist instead of a 10 twist. But that 210 has a validated BC that's more like a 230 hybrid. Yeah. Um, and uh, 230 hybrid's a great bullet, but I would not classify it as being a day in, day out reliable elk, moose, bear, dangerous game. You know, not, there's not a whole lot of dangerous game in the United States um, and North America, but I don't think I would use something like a, a 230 hybrid on a, on a grizzly bear or brown bear um, unless I was trying to shoot it across a valley on a scree slope. You know, where there's no chance it's going to turn around and charge me. Um, You know, so the the guy who recovered one, he was shooting a six and a half Sherman Max at, uh, you know, pretty substantial fraction of the speed of light. And he hit this (laughs) thing at 200 yards and he said it had its head down. It turned. It was speeding. Um, The bullet hit at like 3050 feet per second. And uh, it hit a rib going in. The bone spall absolutely fragmented the heart, the lungs. Um, bullet tumbled, as it's supposed to do, slid up the inside of the spine, poleaxed it right then and there. It went all the way up the spine and stopped in the lower jaw. So it went through like a good three and a half or four feet of meat and hit another solid bone, and that's when it stopped. Right. Um and you know, the, temp- so, the temporary, uh, what was it called? I learned from Doc Mayer, the temporary wound cavity, the mm-hmm. basically the expansion from that it goes, it's the last elasticity yep. and it opens and close. I can imagine with that bitch tumbling like that, dude, I can imagine what happened around that bullet when it went in. Holy yep. balls. Yep. Um, the, the guy said he actually had almost no meat damage, you know, like the rib meat was slagged, um, but it, and it it uh, it ruined some of the neck roasts, but um, didn't kill his back straps, didn't kill the shoulders, nothing. And he said when he pulled the trigger, it hit the ground so fast he lost it in the scope. At well, 200 yards, I can definitely see it happen. I, yeah. Like I told you earlier today, it's like God reaches down from the heavens and just rips their soul right out, and mm-hmm. they just fucking dick in the dirt. Yep. Yep. And that's. You know, um, Jeff Wood, who a lot of people know is Coldbore Miracle, he used uh, like the Rev Zero version of that same bullet, lightly loaded in a Creedmoor, um, like 2890 or 2900 feet per second, that kind of a number. You know, the kind of speeds that you would get out of like a 130 hybrid, kind of warmish lo- loaded in a Creedmoor, that's a soft load with a 122. And we're running the same ballistic coefficient with a solid copper bullet. And he put it through four feet of elk and it came out the other side, dropped her, basically bounced her face off the ground. She slid down the mountain towards him. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's, that's, he's, that's, he shoots a lot of critters. He does. Yeah. Um, I know he doesn't shoot matches, but, you know, if anybody on here is listening, um, uh, you know, and doesn't know who Jeff is. Go take a look at Coldbore Miracle. He's got a blog. He does a lot of reviews. Does a lot of ballistics work. Um, YouTube. He's, yep. He's YouTube. On YouTube. He, and he's another guy that has very very high content quality, um, both for the video footage, the pictures, the write ups. He puts a lot of effort and work into it. He and does. Um, you know, I got I 
you know, like we said, we got a lot of respect for what Frank does. Jeff doesn't derive his living from that. And he does the same thing. He puts a ton of work into it. I have a huge amount of respect for it because, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's super, super good at what he does. But um, he's very happy with the bullets. He's going to be testing some of the 25s that I sent you as well. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you know what? I just got a text message from a guy. I'm supposed to call you Dave Old Balls Baker. Old Balls? Old Balls. Apparently you posted a picture of a um, a ball sack for a forward grip on an AR-15. <laughs> I promised him I was going to call you Old Balls Baker. I don't, I don't think I'd – I don't remember that. That, I mean, I'm not denying it because who knows the shit, some of the shit I've posted in the in time. But <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen that. I've seen that photo. It's like a, it's a black yeah. AR with a black ball bag <laughs> for a foregrip. So like a yep. drop down foregrip. But uh, now, nah, who was that? Um, Jeremy something. I'm, I'm not going to drop his full name on the podcast. I don't know okay. if he it out there or not. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> old, old Balls Baker. I think I know old it's getting days around your 25 cow barrel next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got a cock and balls with a smiley face on the dick on one of my barrels. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, now, uh, Jeff. Wait Jeff till you get that Christmas present. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> cannot wait. Um, I'm actually coming up. Uh, for one of my Christmas presents that we yep. talked to talk about yesterday. And that's when, you know, we're going to be going to put that on the air. Cause I don't want nobody blowing you up trying to get my Christmas present. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, Je- uh, Jeff is actually the guy who got me kind of turned on to the whole 25 Creedmoor to begin with, because he was one of the first guys to really get out into the public eye on the, with the blackjacks. And yep. um, the 131 blackjacks. And in fact, talking about touching on what we just talked about, how just it's just inherent with a solid bullet being longer, um, a, a lot, a lot longer uh, bullet. I've got I posted a picture on Instagram and parlor last night and on, I think in the Facebook group of a comparison with uh, the 120 grain match 25 caliber solid and then yep. next to the 131. And it's. It's noticeably longer, you know. It's yeah, it is. Eleven grains lighter and noticeably longer, and it's a sexy fucking bullet. I mean, so is the blackjack, but that damn that damn solid is fucking. Oh man, that thing. Well, it just looks fast. It just looks fast. Yeah. yeah, they they do. They they're very sleek. Um, and I like the blackjacks. You know, when we when we announced the twenty five caliber, the one seventeen Cayuga, um, there. Are, were more than a couple of people who sent me Facebook messages, like giving me shit about trying to step on um, Miles Johnson's turf. I'm like, dude, Miles seriously? don't give like, a shit. Miles gonna be your yeah. biggest fan. He won't yep. look. You know, we all know Burger's been working since this early summer. Burger's been working on a, a, a fast twist, high BC 25 jacketed bullet, and yep. Miles was so excited. When he saw yep. it, he says, I don't want to be the only guy on the block. I'm a fa- I'm only doing it because no one else was doing it. And I wanted right. a fast twist, high BC quarter yep. bore. And he says, I hope all the bullet manufacturer companies uh, release them. So whoever said that is a fucking retard because. Well, uh, My- Miles big dick did, right? Like if you call Burger up and you're like, hey, I want you to make blah, 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 blah. They go, OK, well, we can do that. 
minimum quantity is tens of thousands right. of something, right? Um, you know, uh, I, you know, hopefully Jim O'Shaughnessy won't be pissed at me for saying this, but when when Prime switched to American-made ammo, they went to Sierra to have a bullet made for them. Turnkey, this is what we want. We want you to have this BC. It needs to weigh this much here. Bum, bum, bum. They give a bunch of parameters. And, and they had to do the same thing. We need a half a million pieces. 500,000 pieces is what it took. You know, Miles, Miles is doing the same thing. They're getting bullets made. Um, they're not making them to my knowledge, but they're getting them made by a very, very good bullet maker. And the performance is there. Everybody sees it. The 131 is an awesome bullet. Um, the 120, you know, we have some flexibility in that it's a machined projectile. So, uh, you know, I can't make them, I can't make a solid piece of copper machined for what you can get a drawn jacket with lead swaged into it. But because of that, you know, we're set up and tooled that, that piece of equipment only makes bullets. Um, right. I've had some folks in the gun industry, they're like, oh, you got a Swiss now, you know, I need firing pins for this. And can you make me this and that? And I'm like, dude, I'm not taking contract work on that. You know, like yeah. we set it up to cut bullets. I'm not going to change fluids out and tools out and, you know, have all kinds of one off bars of stuff. And it, no way we got copper here. We're going to cut copper. And if it fits in a 20 millimeter Swiss, we'll make a bullet for it. You know, yep. and, and our quantities to make custom bullets are a whole lot lower than than, you know, 500,000 pieces, 100,000 pieces. Um, you know, we've we've made stuff that's totally custom for as little as 5,000 pieces. Yeah. And that all that is, is a, a CAD drawing, right? I mean, it's just a, a program, a programming. Um, is that how that works? So, yeah, it is. Um, and I've got some calculators and CAD programs that I wrote that basically will create a bullet. Um, you know, it takes me three, four hours to really sit down and draw one out and get it there. But then if we're going to do like, like our products that, um, are delivered for us, you know, like the Cayugas or the Senecas, they have a lot more work on it. That's a proprietary process that, that gives us a very good idea of what the ballistic coefficient is. Um, you know, bullets actually were a secondary product of the the intellectual property that went into making those things. Um, and so, you know, like I can make a new bullet. I could start at eight o'clock in the morning and by one o'clock in the afternoon, we're dropping the first ones. I can't tell you um, beyond some basic rules of thumb what the ballistics going to go going to be on it. It takes me several weeks worth of computer simulations running to get a really good idea of it, to make sure it's stable and to do that kind of work without um, shooting it. Yeah. Without shooting it. Correct. Um, and you know, that was developed, that capability was developed because I was working on it and had the ability to do analysis, but not the ability to make things. Um, now in the last year, I've got the ability to make things and shoot them instead of, you know, going out and running analysis. But when the weather's shitty and I'm working on something, I got a wild hair up my ass to, to come up with a new idea. They still get analyzed. They still want to know the numbers, um, you know, but uh, a, a basic job for a custom bullet can be done for a few thousand pieces. Anyway, so that's kind of a side a side note that the, the 25s, the ones I sent you, the ones that Jeff has, um, Jeff Wood. 
there uh there's a 117 that's a hunter that's an eight twist and um if you put that right up next to a 131 ace they're they're pretty similar in length but it's only 117 grains um which those things will smoke too dude them things yeah. are, those will smoke fucking smoke yep. what, what are the bcs again on the 117 uh, the 117 is about 580 G1 and 275 G7 approximately. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, it's a variant. It's basically a scaled down, slightly changed version of 122 Cayuga, the 6.5. Right. Uh, I mean, they're only 7 thousandths apart. Right. right. So um, rather than completely reinvent the wheel, I went through and made a few tweaks and then we made them. So yeah, those don't have weeks worth of CAD models um, and analysis in them. I made them. I sent some to Jeff. I sent some to you. I sent them some to a buddy of mine out in uh, Wyoming who lives at, you know, like 7,000 feet above sea level or something. Um, And, uh, you know, had him test them in a 10 twist. And we did verify that in really warm weather, they fly fine out of a 10 twist. Um, at 7,000 feet above sea level. So he was shooting in like probably 8,000 to 9,000 foot DAs. But right. then it got, he took it on an antelope hunt and it worked great on one Saturday. The next weekend it was like 20 degrees colder and he missed an antelope at 250 yards. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Well, so so a, the, needless to say, a 10 twist is probably your not, not your ideal twist for. But no. hey, look, if someone's, if someone is is buying solid lathe hunting bullets to load themselves and hunt with, and you, obviously they're not they're not loading them for a 200 yard shot, that's just what presented itself obviously right. to him. Yep. That means they're probably shooting out of a at bare minimum a match grade barrel, uh, probably yep. a custom rifle. Guys, just get the fast twist barrels. Everybody's making them now. Everybody's making them now for any, any 25 caliber, any 25 caliber cartridge that you're shooting, get the fast twist. Yeah. I mean, done hundred percent. And that's why I stock seven twists. That's why we stock seven twists in 22s. We stock sevens and sixes and in 25s. Um, I have some seven and a half twist six fives coming. I have some seven twist six fives coming. Um, we actually have some seven twist sevens, some seven twist thirties. Um, and you know, like the, the barrel blanks, we, uh, PVA is, is doing well enough. And I'm, I'm blessed with the business that we can afford to put quite literally several hundred blanks on the shelf, um, at a given time. We order blanks from Rock Creek, you know, shout out to the guys at Rock Creek, Russ, Sam, Kim, those guys, they make a killer product. They deliver yes, they to do. us on time and they show up in a pallet. Like the last pallet we got, uncontoured 27 inch blanks, the last pallet we got weighed almost 1,400 pounds. Barrels weigh under 10 pounds a piece. So, you, you know, you do the math, there's 140 barrels in that, in that pallet. And we got another one coming right before Black Friday so that when Black Friday hits, the orders come in, the tags get printed, and they go on the shelf and we start cutting right away. Um, yep. I've, I've been, I actually spent quite a bit of money this month with the tooling and the MRO supplier, um, stacking inserts, duplicate tooling, duplicate reamers, extra coolant mix, all kinds of stuff. So that when we run 
Black Friday. Um, we've got a pretty big piece that I'm going to drop on Black Friday for um, for barrels. And we want to be able to start stocking some of the most common things mm-hmm. so they're on the shelf and they ship in a couple of days. Now, 25 Creedmoor, 25 Dasher, 260 Ackley, that's not common stuff. No, six, you're 6'5 six, six, Creedmoor. Yep. That's the stuff where I know they're going to sell. And, you know, if you want one for a Curtis Axiom, I'm probably not going to have that on the shelf. We'll make that custom. But Savages, Remages, Tikas, um, we might do Hawas. I have to look at our numbers. I don't I don't think we're going to do Hawas just because the numbers aren't that popular yet. Yeah. But, um, you know, AIs, big horns. Yeah, and some of those, um, but even then, like we we have it set up now. We're caught up to the point that, uh, like I said, with a few exceptions that fell through the cracks, um, we have it set up now so the Haas can always, always, always cut a six five creed, a six creed, a two two three, um, three oh eights. Not so much. I kind of batch three oh eights, and the reason I do, I thought, you know, it's like. Well, all these companies stock 308s. They always have them in stock. Well, the reason they always have them in stock is because that caliber is really kind of falling out of favor. Yeah, no one's uh, buying it. I was about to say right. no one's buying them. We didn't cut a single 308 for five weeks. Over five weeks, I had eight orders. One of them was Jeff's. One of them was for my dad. Right. All right. So, so you know, and I'm not really sure what Jeff, Jeff Tripp's going to do with the 308. I mean, obviously, he'll shoot it. but like that was an oddball kind of thing that came in. Six five yeah. Creedmoors, we never break down from being able to do six five Creedmoor on a rush, um, just because it's always there, you know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we've been we've been tooling up basically tooling up stocking parts, stocking copper, so that you know we're like I said, the Swiss is running right now for a batch of bullets for a guy for a, a specific order. Um, we're making him a couple thousand of something that's going to be all in one shot, all one, you know, we're not mixing and matching through production runs to fill his order. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're prepping for black Friday, knowing that, you know, with the way COVID's been and with this absolute bullshit that's been going on the last week about the election. Yeah. Um, Especially where you're at. Yeah. No kidding. Um, that I want to make sure that, you know, our customer base can order what they need and that we can supply it in a timely fashion. Yep. So, um, you know, we're, well, we're- another thing to think about too, is the time of year it's, you know, the black Friday sale is at the end of the, basically the end of the month, end of November. And, you know, people depending on where you live, you know, your match season may be coming to a head right now. And people want to get next year's barrels, um, right. get them, get them broke in, get them sped up, get them the load development done for them and get it ready for the spring when the fucking snow melts. And uh, yeah, we don't really have an off season here. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't right. get cold enough to have, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll have a match in February, I'm sure. Right. So. Well, uh, December 30th of 2019, I was out at the range doing break-in and load work up on some uh, new barrels, did custom load development for a friend of mine who um, I just 
I don't normally do this for customers, but uh, he is one of my very first, like in the first five clients that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I try and hook him up and help him out with stuff. Um, back in the garage so, days. Oh, yeah. This was back in the garage days with a grizzly lathe and a manual mill. And, you know, like a barrel job would take me three and a half hours to get it done. Um, you know, but he's super, super loyal customer. I, I love having him as a customer and the guys who stuck with us, you know, for all those years. And um, but, yeah, so December 30th. I was out shooting and it was like 58 degrees or something on a, on a Saturday yeah. afternoon. Yeah. Like I, I went it. to the range with hat gloves, you know, wool socks and boots. And pretty soon I was sitting there on a sweatshirt and I was sweating my balls off. Yeah. You know, running back and forth to the car and, and you know, getting all the stuff done. So, you know, you never know what we're going to get in Southeast PA. Like right now I'm in a t-shirt and shorts smoking a cigar on my deck. And it's 65 degrees out. Yeah. Second week in November. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. We had, I mean, I remember September was colder than October. Mm-hmm. I had, we had yep. cooler weather in September. I was like, fuck, it's bow season. And I haven't felt a bow season like this ever. I mean, this yeah. is cooler than it's ever been during bow season for us, you know, and I didn't bow hunt, but. Um, well, I kind of wonder what's going to happen with the, with the rut here, because things are starting to get wild in the, you know, like. Bucks are running through the neighborhood chasing does, and then you know, and then that was the week of um, Halloween, right? And then this past week, all of a sudden it was 77 degrees out, and all of the going on in broad daylight, done. It's nocturnal yeah. now. Nocturnal. It's, it's hot. They're they've they're they shed their summer coats. They're already pulled in their winter coats, and they're wearing they're wearing that turtleneck. And they they don't want to move around uh, until yep. it's cool enough. But I mean, I'm tagged out for the year, uh, bucks wise. So I killed. Yep. I don't even think I've talked about it on the podcast. I killed a buck opening day of rifle, which was what October, like the weekend around the 15th of October. Mm-hmm. Um, 504 yeah. yards, and then uh, yesterday was a week. Um, we had a little cold snap come through in the morning. And I just, yeah, he was at 375 ish. And yeah, he was uh, a nice buck. Yeah, thanks. He, um, I didn't realize that. I, I need to send it to you. I've got trail camera pictures of him. I didn't. Well, one, I got one trail camera picture of him. Uh, I'd forgotten that it was him. And I was going through my my file on my phone of deer pictures. I was like, holy shit, that's when I just killed. Holy, I forgot. I forgot I had a picture of him. Nice. So, yeah. That's kind of like the sonogram you get, right? When you're waiting for a baby and you put it up on the, yeah. the you know, like how serious yeah. of a bow hunter are you? You got sonogram pictures of your kids and you got trail cam pictures of the deer you're, you're hunting all year long. Exactly. Next. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I got, I got those two guys. So it's just dough from here on out. Um, I think I'm gonna take Jack's this, this weekend. It's not going nice. to get cold, but it's going to be like the high is going to be 65, which is about, 10 to 13 degrees cooler than what it's been the last two weeks yeah. or, or a week, I should say. Um, but, um, so it's, but yeah, people are, it's that time of year. People are, you know, they're, they're loading stuff for, for hunting out, out West. I mean, shit's, you know, it's not even, I, I mean, I don't know their seasons, but I would imagine their season is later than ours here in the Southeast. 
Um, you so know. I think this week is the second week of mule deer season in Montana. Um, you know, so I'm getting I'm getting pictures from guys that are dropping animals with, you know, our rifles, our barrels, our bullets, stuff like that, which is awesome. I love seeing that people have success with our products. Sure. Uh, you know, and the the success with the solids has been um, so <clears throat> one guy has shot something more than once that I'm aware of. And uh, he basically shot the animal a second time on the ground because what he was hunting is notorious for getting up and taking off when you approach it. So he shot it and it dropped and then he drilled it again just to make mm-hmm. sure it didn't get up. Um, Insurance you know, policy. That's right. Yeah. Security rounds. Right. Yep. And, uh, but, but people, but the, I think the black Friday, we actually, I don't know if how much you want to get into it on the podcast, but me and you actually haven't even discussed what the black Friday sale is going to be. So, um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's something you want to talk about now. I know how black Friday's weird, how companies keep stuff hush hush until the, you know, that day. Um, but so, yeah, so the big, like the new product drop we're going to do, I'm not going to talk about more, but um, what what I will talk about is uh, over the course of this year, I've accumulated odds and ends, custom actions. So what we're going to do is, um, I think I've got five, might be four, I think it's five barrel uh, actions, right? And they're, they're customs, there's like, there's a Defiance, there's a Stiller, um, there's a Curtis, um, there's a Falcor seven. Oh wow! Uh, you got your hands on one of those, huh? Yep. Yeah. What do you think about it? I you're I haven't talked to anybody who's fucked with one. Um, pretty nice. They put a lot of work into it. I think they did a good job. Um, the the thing that strikes me as the most unique on it is how they handle the scope leveling feature on the Picatinny rail. So the pick rail that runs down the top, um. It has a, a couple of slots in the middle, right over the ejection port, that are cut on an angle, and um, you know, like the the bottom of the pick rail is not flat. It has a very noticeable, like 15 or 20 degree angle on it, and then they include a nice red anodized aluminum wedge that is just a few thousandths thinner than the pick rail, and you put your scope on there, and then you slide the wedge in, and instead of having to use like feeler gauges or a level or something like that. Um, it's, it's angles match to what the, what's cut into the pick rail. You slide it until it stops. You torque your screws down on the scope rings, pull it out and it's done. And is dead balls level to the top of that pick rail. Yeah. So it's basically what spur did with their mount, but you don't have to have a spur mount to get it right. So right. It, it, it's the yeah. same, it, it accomplishes the same task as what comes with the spur mounts. Yeah. The one piece spurs. Yep. yep. So, you know, awesome. if you're running an action and you don't want to put like spur makes a great mount, not knocking spur in any way. Um, I really like their stuff, but if you're not running a gun that can take the weight budget that requires us that, you know, that that's where that spur, this is pretty cool because you can put it on, you can use whatever rings you want and you can throw it in there, level it out. And it makes your life super, super simple. Yeah. I remember so I when Falcor, I remember when Falcor had 
had released the, I guess, the news that they were going to be getting into the uh, bolt action business and they were going to be designing their first action. They put posted a thing, I think it was an Instagram, basically a feeler out there. Like, what's some, what is some features that you would like in an action? And I posted, the, I remember, I forgot everything I posted. I said, fucking three lug. Light bulb, <laughs> light bulb of three lug, you know? And, yep. you know, that obviously that's not what they went with because it's a two lug action, but it looks yep. nice. It looks nice. Yep. Yeah, I like it. It's smooth. Um, bolts nitrided. I, you know, Damon Rompey from Nemesis Machine sent it to me mm-hmm. and uh, he got one in my hands. We did some horse trading for it. So the, the basically, you know, like I think it's a good action. I didn't send it back to him and say, hey, I don't want this thing. I kept it. Um, and what we're going to do with that and these other actions that I have in the shop is we're going to build a turnkey barreled action. And, um, you know, like I said, one, one will be a certain defiance. One's going to be this Falcor. One's going to be a stiller. Um, one's going to be the Curtis. And I got to have a, um, a big horn. That's, that's a leftover as well. And we're basically going to do like one a day. They're going to go up and first come, first serve. That particular barreled action is going to be on like a ridiculous sale. And if you get to the website, you know, like you click it, there's one, there's only one available to buy. It's at an insane price. If you get it, it's yours, right? You can buy it for a really, really crazy price. And then, um, that's it. That's, that's that one for the day. Yeah. There's only Next one day. of each of these right. really uh, there's or only one, one action per day. Yeah. Yep. Now we, we will certainly take orders to build others, but there's only one at that insane deal and folks can, you know, they can compete to see who gets it. And we're going to do one a day, um, over the course of four or five days. Nice. So that's one of the things we're going to do. One of the other things we'll do is we're going to have a, um, like a huge muzzle brake sale and, um, you know, try and get them out there, get them in folks' hands. Uh, last year we did a blem sale and uh, there were a lot of cosmetic blems that were basically left from me tweaking the process of bringing all the production of muzzle brakes in house. And they sold that like an insane rate. I think we sold something like, 164 blems in in four hours they were gone yeah so we're gonna we're gonna do something like that again um i really don't have the blems this year because the process is very stable yeah the the whole reason of how you had the blems is taken care Mm -hmm. of so that's not a problem anymore yep yep but you know we're we're still gonna bring out a, a big sale on those we'll do a big sale on the bullets um you know and uh and and just try and you know, proliferate our products to the market. Um, we, and the reason I'm, I'm being real aggressive with what we're going to do for black Friday is because we didn't do anything for labor day this year. The reason we didn't do anything for labor day this year was, um, we did a 4th of July sale was very successful. Um, but we were late and the reasons we were late were because we got hit with a hurricane and we had a machine delivery on the day we got hit with a hurricane. We spent a week with no power we spent another week getting the shop reorganized. And yeah, I remember. Yeah, I was checking and, in with you, seeing if you yep. had fucking power in the shop. Yep. And and then right as we felt like we were getting our feet under us, then I got really sick and I ended up having surgery. 
um, which I was back at work in like three days, but yeah. I couldn't pick a barrel blank up off the, off the bench um, yeah. for like two weeks. So, you know, that, that put us back quite a bit. And because we were late at 4th of July, I was absolutely not going to run a Labor Day sale. Labor Day, I spent Labor Day in the hospital anyway. So uh, we didn't run anything then, and we're going to m- try and make up for it for Black Friday. Nice. That's going to be awesome. Um, and I, I think you're going to get a lot of web traffic uh, on on the website looking for those those barrel actions. Now, are those going to be predetermined calibers? Like, hey, this has got a barrel for it already, or is it, hey, this is going to be a barrel action, you pick your caliber? So – it's going to be, um, it, it'll be like, here's, it'll be this action, this trigger, this muzzle break. And then there will be a selection of, you could make it a 22, a six, a six, five. Um, you know, like there'll be a limited number of what we can offer, what we will offer for the calibers, but, um, it's going to be limited to what the bolt face is on the action. So I can tell you like all of the actions are 308 bolt faces. And none of them are going to be a six and a half PRC. Sorry. Or a two twenty three. You know. Right. Yeah. That. That. But none of them. You know. I can't do that. No. So. Um. But the reason we can we can offer them at the the you know the ridiculous price is like we're basically selling it at our. Hang on a second. Light bulb went out. Oh no. I can still see you by the way. Oh, all right. Well then, we'll just leave it alone. Um, is we're subsidizing it to the point that we're selling it, um, you know, with like just the cost of parts involved. Nice. So. Nice. um, So there's some some savings, folks. That's some savings, man. Y'all, y'all are, y'all are going to be getting. Uh, they're all custom actions. You're going to be getting them at cost from. You know, with the bear, with you know, the, my opinion, the best in the biz as far as cutting barrels. And then uh, we haven't really gotten into it a whole lot, but I'm telling you right now, the shock. I mean, the Jet Fours are amazing. Right, that's what's on. I'm looking at it right now. That's what's on my dasher right now. Yep. Uh, I love my Jet Four. That Shockwave is on another fucking planet, dude. That yeah. that is okay. the that is the best. And I've got a rocket scientist too. I think that's a first. The second break that I ever got from you was a rocket scientist, and yep. it mitigates that recoil. It, I mean, does a very damn good job on it. But I tell you what, the you still get a little bit of the concussion uh, from the you know, as the shooter from the break. That shockwave, fucking done. Like, it is amazing. It still, it I believe it mitigates recoil even more, and you don't get that same blast in the face feeling at all. Um, yep. It's amazing. Yeah, the, the uh, I gotta set the phone down a second here. I've I've made it to the um, the, the ass, ring wrapper the ass end of your cigar. Yeah, I made it to the ring wrapper, and this is a pretty good cigar. So yeah, I say, what are you I'm what not, are you smoking? Uh, I have tonight. I skipped the. The um the Monte Cristos that I usually go for, and I have a uh well that's not true I don't usually go for the Monte Cristos um I kind of save them for special occasions. Is that what we but, smoked on the boat? Was that a Monte uh, Cristo? No, no we smoked uh, Cahibas on okay, the yeah. on the boat. So I have a 
I have a friend who's been kind enough to bring me some uh, cigars from the Caribbean area. Um, and uh, because Chacho's not happening this year, I've got to be a little bit more <laughs> selective as to when I when I smoke those cigars because my my French connection has dried up. Oh, um, yeah, but uh, my my staple is an Olivas. Uh, what is this? It's a Series O. It's a Leva Milanio uh, Maduro um, Figurato. So the the Oliva means. I'm a fucking it, I'm a newbie when it comes to it, nice cigars. It is a full body dark Maduro cigar. It's delicious, and um, the Oliva family is. Um, I have a little bit of a connection to them. Um, through uh, another rifle builder who is a dear friend of mine and um they sent me some stuff and these things are phenomenal um, nice. but they're being that they're a very full-bodied cigar i know that i'm going to be up for probably like three more hours after i'm done with this thing <laughs> um that nicotine yeah. So, <laughs> yeah yeah you got i got a pretty good one going so um but they're yeah they're fantastic cigars so that's what i'm on tonight and then Nice. Um, next time I come down, I'll bring some of the Monte Cristos. I got some number twos. Fuck yeah. Uh, <clears throat> those are, those are really good as well. So yeah, we'll have to jam out on cigars sometime. Um, you know, I know a lot of people get like really tore up with, Oh my God, they're, yeah, he's got Cuban cigars and, and Cubans are good, but you know, don't overlook a good Nicaraguan cigar. Like these Olivas, I, I believe almost all come from Nicaragua. Dude, they're phenomenal. Well, what people also don't realize when talking about Cuban cigars is that, look, Cuba ain't getting no bigger. There's a limited amount of tobacco that is can can physically be grown on that island. Uh, that there's a lot more Cuban cigars out there that than there is Cuban tobacco. So you're probably not <laughs> getting a Cuban fucking cigar when right. you say, oh no, this is legit. This. Mm. It's a yeah. good chance it's not. It yeah. could be, but it's a good chance it's not. Yeah. I mean, you go on vacation in the Caribbean, you get one in Mexico, you know, like there's some somebody was telling me um, that it, who's a, a major cigar aficionado. I don't want to dime out the guy's name, but he's a shooter as well. And he said that, uh, you know, like the cigar industry has um, estimated that for the number of quote unquote Cuban cigars that are out there, approximately 80% of them are fake. Yeah. They may be rolled in Cuba, but it's not Cuban tobacco. It's like yep. Honduran or, or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Which, hey, all of it's still good cigars. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the general region is very good. The other thing that's come out of it and, um, you know, the, uh, the Oliva cigars are Nicaraguans. The talent that was in Cuba in the fifties that was making these legendary cigars. Many of them did not survive the communist takeover. Um, those that did that managed to get out, went to places like Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, South Florida. Um, you can get a phenomenal. They all went to Miami. Let's, let's be honest. They all went to Miami. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And God um, bless them. I love Cuban people, man. Cuban people are the best, man. You talk about, some of them motherfuckers, they're about as red-blooded American as, as you and I are. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, they are the, 
the Oliva family are, um, I don't know them very well at all. I know one of them. And he is, um, he, he was born in Cuba. His parents managed to get out. He is um, a survivor of the, you know, of the regime change down there. He was a little boy when, um, when all that happened. And he is as pro-American and um, most and, of them are, you know, I mean, he's he is his red blood. I would take him, um, you know, as a patriot any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, especially you know, they, over these fucking twats and damn pussy wearing hat, uh, pussy hat wearing faggots, you know, in Portland and Seattle. I'd like to do a trade off. I would like to trade all of these fucking asshole leftists for every every cuban that wants to come here and every person from hong kong that wants to move here yeah i'll do a trade do a do a uh, damn draft do some trading because <laughs> i'll take yeah. them any fucking day over these soy boy liberals live in mom's basement yeah <clears throat> yeah i saw but, a fantastic an absolutely fantastic meme that was built off of a very, um, well, I don't want to say very famous, but a relatively famous photograph that an artist put out. And it was, um, I think the original photograph was was made uh, to demonstrate um, women's body image and eating disorders. And it has somebody who is obese on the left side and somebody who is um, anorexic and starving. I don't know if it's anorexia or if it was somebody who's actually starving, bulimia, but the, it was a, it was a eating disorder body image comparison, um, which in and of itself is, is pretty telling, right? It's a, it's an important thing to put out, but what sure. somebody overdubbed it basically. Um, and they, and it said, uh, communists in America, uh, in, and that was the morbidly obese person and yeah. communists in North in, Korea. And it was yeah. a person who starving, you know, was starving to death because they are, they're eating fucking, they're eating their pets. I mean, same yeah. thing in Venezuela. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's like, I forgot what the statistic was, but I think like, um, since the communist takeover in Venezuela, I feel like the average weight loss of the or the average weight loss of the average person in Venezuela was like 40 pounds they've lost due. And this is not like, Oh yeah, I lost 40 pounds. I got greater look. No, no. It's like, I'm, I'm starving to death. I want to yeah. eat my hand. I'm so hungry. Yeah. Their, their, their uh, body is, is turning yeah. muscle into pro, you know, it's taking protein and robbing it to create energy because they're, they don't have enough food. Yeah. And, um, and it, it's, it's, it's sad, and it but that's what these years. communists want. Yeah. Yeah, it took I mean, 18 years. And and that's what they're trying to do now here. I mean, all said and done, that's what they're trying to do now. If, I don't know if you – I read today that in Portland, they, uh, the Democratic the, – uh, the Joe Biden campaign office in Portland, they're eating themselves, dude. The fucking Antifa Ant, – a mob of Antifa assholes – went and destroyed the the Biden campaign office and then spray painted on the walls like they graffitied everything like they always do uh said fuck Biden no presidents like we don't want any presidents i mm-hmm. no you want a dictator is what you want yeah you know you what you, you're you're claiming Trump is the dictator 
when that's actually what you want and he's nowhere in the vicinity of that but you say you you know he's a dictator as a bad thing when you are actually pushing for a dictatorship it's it's the whole dynamic is it's mind-boggling because they don't they don't know what they want if you grabbed an antifa member just grab him by the shirt say what do you want like really what is it that you want in in out of this country what do you want i don't think they know I, I, I don't think I think, so. they, I, mean, I don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to be able to tell you anything with substance at all. There's a huge amount of there's a huge amount of propaganda disinformation and there's a huge amount of ignorance. And um, I watched uh, about a nine minute clip from a gentleman in Illinois. His name is Cash Lee Kelly, K-A-S-H Lee Kelly. And um, black guy, he's uh um, a reformed gang member. I believe he owns his own business now. He's got a family and he registered his business in, a, you know, in a deeply African-American portion of the community that he lives in. And he was out there basically evangelizing about the, you know, the two faced lies that were being told by Biden um, and the Biden campaign and uh, the Democrats. And you could see him and and very calm, very professionally, people that have known him all his life come up and they have this hatred for Trump. And he's like, tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me what he's done. He's what racist. did Biden do? Yeah. He, well, but that but that wouldn't stop what he and and I got to give this guy huge props. I have a huge amount of respect for what he's doing. He's standing there in front of his business with people that don't like Trump, that are smashing windows, that are burning businesses down. Everything he's got, his family, his business, everything is based off of what's behind that glass right there. Mm-hmm. And he's telling people, here's the proof. Here it is. Let me show it to you. Let me show you this video. Let me show you this. And in nine minutes, he had two or three guys in front of him who, when they started the video, were ardent Biden supporters but they were Biden supporters because they did not know what was going on. Well, that's what they were told not, to. That's what they were told to do. You know. Yep. Right. Right. And well, and but here's the, the the huge respect I have for this man is because he has the courage to go out on the street and stand there, people not throwing verbal rocks, but they will throw real rocks at his business, and he's teaching and breaking down the education barrier. Yeah. And I had I, I just couldn't believe it. Like I was sitting there watching it. The guy is a thousand miles away from me. And I'm you know, I don't tend to get too excited about stuff that's on social media. I was so, so blown away by this man's passion and and just the education level. Common it's not sense. Like, right. Yeah. It's not he doesn't have a PhD. He's got he's armed with YouTube and truth. And it you know, like Every single thing that came up, he's like, Trump didn't do that. That was Hillary Clinton. Trump didn't do that. That was Obama. Trump didn't do that. That was Joe Biden. Well, the 94 crime bill, the 94 crime bill. Dude, if you had seen, I watched the video. It was, it was about nine minutes long. It was basically a montage of Joe Biden's career from the very beginning until now. (laughs) Did you watch that video? No, I didn't. You should send it. I'll send you this video of Cash Kelly. Yeah, dude, it's yep. amazing, dude, because, I mean, a lot of this was before me and you were, I mean, swimming in our dad's ball sack. 
Uh, and it was. I do remember the '94 crime bill. I remember the super predators comment yeah, coming yeah. up on TV. Yeah, but he dropped like in bombs in front in the fucking Senate. I mean, it was. Uh, he said basically, we got a what? He, what was his? We have an inward mayor. We don't need an inward governor. This is in front of the in front of cameras in front of and this was before the days of cell phones with every cell phone having a camera. No, this these were fucking yep. TV cameras in front of him. Uh, and the the 94 crime bill, how he prided himself on he wanted to keep these people in prison as long as he possibly can. All this stuff and talking about how he doesn't want his kids going to a jungle. Uh, he was against the busing. Um, and then you've got Kamala Harris. Who's uh, her dad, her father wrote a book years ago, basically saying we are my family directly were slave owners. We own slaves in Jamaica. Those were before those words came out before she was in public eye. Um, But you know how they they want to the left wants to rehash everything that every comedian has said in their career back from like 2006 or 2002. You know, well, uh, look, what, look what they did to Baby It's Cold Outside. It's an 80 year old song and they yeah. want to, you know, now but, it's sexist. yeah, well, that's sexist. But whatever Cardi B can, can say the shit that she does. Yeah. And drugged men to rob them. It's trash. It's absolute trash. Yeah. I mean, and she and, and Kamala is the one who would laugh about uh, she's tried pot. All the while, she's putting more black men in prison for simple, petty drug charges, including marijuana, yep. uh, before California legalized it. I mean, she was the top cop. They want to defund. They want to defund the police, uh, but yet she put more black people in jail than yep. fucking anybody. Yep. Anybody. Yep. Well, the, you know, they call it. Um, the the joke I heard was. Uh, um. You know, there's like there's pedo Joe and, and um, it, there, there's a whole bunch of shit about her. Right. But the, probably the most telling one that I heard recently was uh, they called the Biden Harris campaign cop and feel. <laughs> Talk about fucking perfect cop and feel. That's exactly right. And, and sniffer in chief, if he ever did get elected. <laughs> If he ever did get elected um, and I, I, right now what's going on is so amazing to me that it's it's because CNN and apparently Fox News said so that it's like somewhere in the Constitution. It says that, you know, MSNBC and CNN determine who the president is. Yep. I looked uh, yesterday and I looked. Uh, yeah, yesterday was Monday. I looked yesterday and uh, the. Um, the sales rep for the tooling and MRO company came over and uh, it was right around lunchtime. And he, so he drove, we have a deal. Like he buys lunch one time and I buy lunch the next time we roll down to this little local Italian place and phenomenal pizza, phenomenal cannoli, everything. I mean like the whole place is good. I spent way too much money there buying lunch, like five days a week at this place. Yeah. Um, my dad comes down. My dad lives a hundred miles from us. And he'll come down to do odds and ends projects in the shop. 
and he'll roll in at like 9.30 in the morning, and by like 10.15, he's like, hey, uh, so what time does Leone's open? I'm like, dude, yeah. <laughs> we just well, ate breakfast. Shout out to Leone. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, not to turn this into a, a total political thing, but as far as the marijuana goes, dude, I have, I, I really think that, like, if the Republicans did something the best thing that the republicans could do right now going to look for the 2022 midterms get behind decriminalizing marijuana at a federal level Mm -hmm. right we have we have a prison reform bill that uh that trump pushed through we have record uh black employment record latino employment um you know, we have all these things, but we also have imprisonment levels that are insane over uh, over marijuana. Like I have I have friends that I went to college with that senior year, they're they're two hundred thousand dollars into an education and they get busted for something like smoking a joint and having a half an ounce of weed on them. It, they're they're done. They're never going to work as a corporate engineer anywhere that, you know, yep. like. They can't do it. Why? Because they smoked a fucking joint. That's retarded. Yes, so, you know, way retarded window licking it, retarded. Yeah. Is does, is it a drug? Yes. So is alcohol. So is tobacco. So is nicotine. Right? So is a- caffeine. Absolutely. Caffeine is right. But but coffee, you know, coffee is uh, a performance enhancing drug. In corporate America, coffee is a performance-enhancing drug. How many people on Wall Street are snorting Adderalls every day? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So, I mean, you know. The shit that comes out of ph- Big Pharma is uh, – that's the that's the, that's the the rub. I mean, really, that's the rub is Big Pharma because they know marijuana is going to – if it was ever federally decriminalized or full-out legalized, they're getting hit in the pockets big time. Big time. So, I mean, we've lost the war on drugs, right? The war on drugs is a money pit. It's done nothing good for us. I'm not advocating things like heroin and methamphetamines and cocaine and the crack epidemic. Well, Portland just legalized. They just legalized heroin in this election. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, send all the heroin up there to to Portland. Hunter Biden's on his way to live out there next. You fucking crackhead piece of shit. <laughs> you know, like, but it, I I think that they really ought to do it. Like, make a real push. You want to see people, um, you know, get behind something that of a Republican initiative, and you want to see the propaganda machine. You know, like we're watching. We got to see Trump get impeached for something that Joe Biden did. We yep. watched Trump get. His, you know, fingers pointed at him for four years for shit that Hillary Obama, and did. Obama did. Right. Yeah. Let's let's see the Republicans as a whole get behind legalizing marijuana, and you do and get rid thing. of daylight savings time. Get rid of it. You'll you'll win. You'll win. Hands down. Landslide (laughs) victory. If you just say we're doing away with what daylight savings time. (laughs) Arizona is a perfect test case. There's no daylight savings time in Arizona. Not in Alaska. Uh, Alaska doesn't have it either. No. Well, they can't. They got fucking 24 hours of night and 24 hours of day, depending on the time of year it is. Right. Well, if you're north of the Arctic Circle, right? 
Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've got a very, very good friend who lives in Anchorage. He's, he, he'll tell you he lives in Anchorage. He's an hour outside of it. Right. But, yes. uh, we're going to try and get together and go caribou hunting next year up on the North slope. You bet. And yeah, dude, that is a bucket list thing right there. I told my dad already, I was like, if you retire this year, your retirement present is we're going to, we're going to Alaska. We're going caribou hunting. If you decide to stick it out and teach for another year or two, then you need to put your personal days in for the for the second week of September because we're going to Alaska and we're going caribou hunting. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, John John was telling me that this time of the year the days get shorter about five minutes a day. They lose daylight on either end of the day, and then the solstice happens and it starts to get light out really fast too. And yeah. um, you know, in June <clears throat> he's he's got a, a little kids and he said you know they'll be out and he'll be doing odds and ends and he works in the medical um uh medical industry up there so he's on all kinds of oddball schedules rotating schedules with the hospital he'll come home from work and it'll be three o'clock in the morning and it's like it's twilight you know and the yeah. and the kids are it, it throws their schedules off i mean it's incredible it, like we as humans are conditioned for night and day oh and yeah when you you live in the arctic or the Antarctic, right? Um, it really messes with your with your psyche. Oh, absolutely, for sure. I mean, just that's that's why. Uh, I mean, Grant, you still have night and day, but just the fact of it get, them getting switched. That's why, I like police officers that, or really anybody that does shift work. I mean, it takes they they've proved. Or I guess I say proven. They say they've proven that it takes literally years off your life doing shift work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can, yeah, it's amazing that, that, that having that daytime I'm awake, nighttime I'm asleep, how important that is. And then whenever you swap that or get rid of that, upset that cycle, meaning like you said, you know, 24 hours of daylight or, 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 or night, how that could just completely fuck with you. Especially yep. think about me and you move to Alaska. We could handle it if we went up there for like a week or whatever. It'd be weird as shit. But we imagine yep. just like, hey, I'm selling everything I got. I'm moving to Alaska. And then you're living in that shit, man. You, for, it'd take you a while to get used to that shit. Yeah. I notice it with the shop, um, you know, because the, the shop doesn't have any windows in it. And there will be days where I walk in at 8, 9 a.m. And like I might go out to lunch or if I'm really busy, Joe will do me a favor. He'll run out. He'll pick up lunch for me from Leone's. And I won't see, especially this time of the year, right? Like I saw the Sunlight. sun this morning yeah. and yeah. I left the shop at, um, after five today and it was almost dark out. So yeah. I, you know, like, um, and it, <clears throat> and because it was really nice out, there really wasn't a lot of wind. It was a nice mild day. Um, we, we threw all the doors open in the shop and so there was sunlight in it and my, my mood today, I don't. I never thought that I had seasonal, like they call it seasonal depression, just uh, depression or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think that I was that affected by it, but the last couple of days, you know, I'm only seeing an hour or two of daylight and the rest of the day is artificial light for me. I have no idea what time it is out. I don't know what the weather is. If it's pouring or it's thunder, I know it because I can hear it on you the metal. Hear it. Yeah. Yep. I have no idea what it is otherwise. And just having the doors open all day long 
um, you know, because it was in the low 70s today. It was like, I I just had such a nice day because oh, yeah. I saw the sun all day long. Well, and you feel you feel more productive, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you feel like you're more motivated to get maybe instead of I'm just I don't even know what the hell you did today. But let's just say instead of cutting eight barrels a day, you may cut, you know, 10 barrels because it's just you're feeling more productive. Right. I mean, the sun is I mean, that's why people who work outside, especially in, in great areas like with climate and everything that's why they love their job they're outside in it you know it's you know yep. it, just like you said your mood changes and when your mood is yep. better you're you're more productive like morale you know what i'm saying that's why yep. morale boosting is so important in you know corporate america the military everything like that you you boost yep. morale well one sunshine is is one way to do that when <clears throat> in um 2009, the winter of 09 to 2010, I lived in Charleston and I was working tons and tons of hours. We were on um, mandatory 60 hour weeks trying to work on 787. And I was in a building, we were on a mezzanine and the 87 line in that building was was basically under my feet. I would go in in the morning and if I didn't leave the building at lunchtime, I would be in in the dark and I would leave in the dark. And I, I didn't see the sun for days at a time. And there were every one of us within being there for a couple of weeks, every one of us would go out and we would just stand outside at lunchtime. We would go out for lunch every day or stand outside every day because otherwise we didn't see daylight. And we're in, yeah. we're in South Carolina. <clears throat> yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, it was incredibly depressing. Yeah, I remember I remember in the when I worked before I went out to the flight line in the Air Force, when I was working in the back shop, we had what's called a TCTO come out time change technical order where some asshole found multiple discrepancies on multiple engines out on the flight line. Basically, the um, the uh, well, I'm trying to remember what the part was called a flame catcher, I believe, inside the augmenter. It had a crack at the six o'clock and the twelve o'clock positions, and he found it on like five different. He got like an a, a accommodation or a medal for finding it or whatever. Um, but they went. He found it on like five consecutive motors, um, engines, and so they basically did a TCTO, which was like, hey, we're gonna go and we're gonna change all these parts on all the engines on base. Now, mind you. There are, well, at the time, I believe there was 93 or 95 F-15s on Seymour Johnson. Each one has two motors. And then uh, all the spares in the back. All the spares in our back shop. See, our workload was dependent on our spare number. If we had a lot of spares, our workload was easy, good to go. If we were running low or we had no spares, shit was crazy. Well, when that happens, obviously, we had to change the spare, the part on the spares out and the ones in the jet. So um, we were on mandatory 12s for in uh, seven days a week. It was no weekends, mandatory 12s uh, for like three months straight. Bro. Oh, my gosh. Dude, when I say, and you couldn't take leave, unless you had leave pre-approved before the TCTO came out, um, you weren't taking, oh, unless it's like a emergency, like a death in the family or something like that. Um, but yep. you weren't going on vacation. You weren't going on your honeymoon. You weren't going on any of this shit um, uh, while this is going on. Dude, people were going, losing their minds. 
I saw yeah. a, I saw an A1C, an Airman First Class, which is an E2. E, uh, um, mm-hmm. Excuse me, an e, uh, E3. Um, okay. I saw him tell a um, senior master sergeant to suck his dick. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, 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 no, no, he did not. Dude, and look, they, and honestly, they had, I mean, he got in trouble, obviously, uh, but they had to, thank goodness they had the wherewithal to realize that, hey, these guys are under atypical stress. They've yeah. had no days off for like two and a half months. Uh, they're working 12 hour shifts. And then, you know, when that got finished and I was like, oh, well, at least that's over with and back to our normal, you know, eight hour, nine hour shifts and, and our weekends. Well, then I went out to the flight line like a dumbass and it was 12 hours every day. At least I worked multiple 16 hour shifts. They had to get command uh, command approved. Um, because like once you get past the 14 hours, you have to have a commander to approve of them like that night. Like they had to call the fucking commander and like wake his ass up. Hey, we got to get these, this jet yeah, ready for tomorrow morning sorties, you know, whatever. He's like, fuck. All right. So I'm like, uh, um, yeah. So it was literally, you know, like you said, it was, you know, dark to dark. Yeah. I was working outside, but you know, it's still sucked. It's a lot of stress, man. It's a lot of stress. Hey, before we get too deep in every all this other stuff, um, I had a listener. I don't have it right in front of me, but um, you commented on it. Um, he wanted to talk about a little bit of 22, uh, some some ELR 22 stuff. Yeah. Um, so I told him I told him I don't know shit about shit when it comes to ELR 22. I've got a 22, the Ruger Precision 22 that I've I've got a damn SWFA 10 power super sniper on it and I've never put a round through it. I don't know shit about 22s other than, you know, okay. normal lever action shit. So you commented and said, Hey, you got a guy right here. That, I was like, man, I didn't even think about that. Josh, you'd be the perfect one to talk to about it. So I'm going to let you rap about whatever you want to, to get this guy okay. something to go off of. So, um, I don't, I don't build a lot of 22s, but, my background with bullets and ELR work um, does carry over to, you know, to shooting long range. Um, I've shot 22s to uh, 500 and change yards. Mm. Um, I've had a Voodoo. I have a Rimax. Um, my Rimax right now is burning it down. Did I send yeah. you the group that I shot the other night at 200? No. Nah. 200 yards, you could cover it like it was a sub inch group at 200 yards with a with a rimfire, and I shot that off of a knee with no rear support. Just the Rimax was killing it. Um, nice. We're using Rock Creek is making me some. Uh, they they don't make a lot of rimfire barrels. Muller Works typically uh, does the barrels for them, and we had some killer killer blanks that came from those guys. Those are 16 twists insanely accurate to 150 yards very very good at 2 250 but we were running into problems at 300 it just didn't hit anything um i did some testing i got some i tested an 8 a 9 a 10 a 12 a 15 a 16 twist um the 8 and the 9 i ended up making muzzle brakes out of them because they were fucking useless um yeah they shot fine with heavier stuff but they did not shoot well at 25 50 100 um you could I, I was not getting i think I was, we were overspinning the bullets 
Um, they're all a you know little swaged gumdrop with a skirt on the tail, so they obturate. The 22s run at very very low pressures. Um, yeah. You know you can you can hold the slide shut on a blowback gun like a like a Ruger pistol. Put a suppressor on your Ruger pistol and hold the slide shut with your thumb and pull the trigger. It it's insanely quiet. Like it's James Bond movie quiet. Um, pew, pew. In a semi-auto pistol. Yep. Click. Right. Yeah. You get a fire uh, pin drop. <laughs> yep. So what I found was that the 12 twist, and this was something that, uh, you know, one of my buddies over at um, uh, Bighorn mentioned to me. And and then we talked to Lothar Walther. Lothar Walther made us some 12 twists as well. They're making 12 twist barrels. Um, and then I validated it in test. The 12 is a really nice medium. It shoots awesome at short range. I could not shoot a difference between that and my 15s and 16s. Um, <clears throat> but where we had problems shooting at 250, 275, 300 yards with the 15s and the 16s, um, the 12 was still a hammer. I mean, it was just, it was predictable. It was correctable. Everything absolutely crushed it. So we ordered um, a few barrels from them, made some more of them, started selling them. The guys who were getting 12s were um, – one of them is relatively local. We made him one, and he went to one of the Mid-Atlantic Rimfire series, the Mars series. Mm-hmm. And he shot a group at 300 yards that was an inch. At least oh, a shit. third MOA group, which is out of a Rimfire, is very good to begin with. Yeah, and he did it at yards. 300 yards. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, he, and he was the first one. He's not the only one anymore. Um, you know, the night that I shot that group at two, I also shot all the way out to 500 yards and I was shooting a half Ipsic plate at 500 yards. It was a nice still night and I was dropping them in. Like I shot 10 in a row. I went 10 for 10 at 500 yards on a half size Ipsic. Damn. So I know uh, Bams can't do that with a fucking centerfire fast six mil <laughs> well yeah um yeah i haven't shot a match and i shot one match in 19 i didn't shoot any in 20 it's just been you know really crazy for everybody um but apparently i still know how to shoot enough that uh i could put together some decent groups and yeah, so yeah. that's that's why we went with the 12s um we're doing a little experimenting with uh solids in loading our own ammo in 22s and that's uh you know i'm not unique in that there's some other guys that are tinkering with that stuff too down in the eight twist the the guys at voodoo or um they you know i shot a voodoo last year last um june i guess is when scott satterley's match was Mm. voodoo came out and um you know one guy went nine for nine from like 150 to 490 some yards he set an elr world record with it yeah um i i dropped one i dropped my last shot out there but um you know with the right barrel and a well-built gun you could shoot 500 yards um i don't know that you would want to start shooting groundhogs out there you know like my pellet rifle has more energy but uh, you know at close range than 22 does at those distances but you know, if you've got a really well-built rifle, um, you can get there. And I don't want to, you know, like I'm not going to give away exactly what our reamer is, how we're holding them, stuff like that. But um, we do, we, you know, we do fit barrels for for rim axes. Um, 
I've been thinking about doing some for um, getting into doing some voodoos as well. Um, but, the, you know, there's like a list of projects that's three pages long. And uh, yeah, of all, of all array of shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. the array of shit you want to do. I know you always yeah. you're always calling me and like bouncing ideas like, David, what do you think about this? Like, what, what would you think about it? I'm like, man, that's actually a pretty fucking kick-ass idea or or whatever. Yeah. Yep. I, I have to be careful to make sure that um, the ideas and the tinkering doesn't get in the way of running the business and, you know, um, being responsible. Because, like, tinkering in my garage and coming up with some cool shit, like, I could get away with a day or two or three days worth of not getting work out because there wasn't the overhead, there wasn't employees, there wasn't the commitments of the business, um, which is why I'm looking for a full-time machinist is like, there's a whole litany of projects that I think would be really neat to do. Um, but, um, I'm still cutting most of the barrels. I'm cutting all the muzzle brakes, um, you know, and, and, and getting them out the door. So, um, you know, to get into the ELR 22 stuff, you know, I think we could shoot 500 yards. No problem. I'm waiting for somebody to come out and be like, Hey, guess what? You know, like there's, there's these world's longest shot with, uh, with a 408 attack and with a, you know, and a 416 by 50 and, you know, all these crazy shots that are being made at four five, 6,000 yards. Now, um, I'm waiting for the guy that's going to come out and he's going to go, Hey, guess what? We just went three for three, you know, cold bore plus two at 600 yards with a rim fire. You know, with a 22, it's going to happen. It's not going to be me that does it, Um, you know, but uh, somebody like Chase Stroud um, down in Texas, you know, I'm waiting for somebody like Chase or Paul Phillips or or, uh, you know, David Tubb to go, hey, guess what we did? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, The the technical capability is there. Um, These high dollar 22s that guys are using for training for PRS stuff. You know, it's, it's a simple matter to put a 12 twist barrel on one of those guns. Um, you know, that that's what I'm pushing everybody to go to. You know, if you're if you're using it as training, you're not shooting past 200 yards or 150 yards with it, um, you know, 15 or 16. man, you can just burn it down. But, you know, like a lot of us are how far can I shoot? Well, now, how far can I shoot three in a row or five in a row? Or right, yeah, the natural progression. <laughs> right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think now is an incredible time to be involved in precision rifle and like muzzle loaders. I, I sent you that picture. I think of the dough that I, I clobbered um, a couple weeks ago yeah. with a smokeless muzzle loader, the 500 yard shot. I yeah. Five that, years ago. Yeah, bullshit. Yeah, um, there's a few companies out there. Uh, I know, I know, um, Gunworks has got a really high end muzzle loader they sell. Yep. Um, and uh, what what? Arrowhead the, Precision too. Who's the what's the company? What's the what's the TV show? Best in the West. Those guys yes. have. Yep. Yeah, they they've got the couple long range muzzleloader stuff, but you yep. know I'm a muzzleloader state. Um, as far as we have a muzzleloader season, I've honestly I can honestly and tell you. Now mind you, we have rifle season too, but I mean, uh, muzzleloader comes in between bow and rifle. Um, I have never shot a muzzleloader in my life. Well, we'll have to do that. We come up and visit. Um, 
I loaned a 50 caliber barrel. So I have a prefit barrel that I did. I'm going to start doing these for folks as well. We just have to get a steady supply of the breech plugs and the modules available. And um, I, I want to start putting solids together with a high BC solid. We've been doing some tinkering with it. Um, <clears throat> I've got the, the models done. We've got some prototypes done where um, we're not dropping them in at 700 and making hits. We're shooting ballistics that look like 300 wind mag type wind holds, 300 wind mag kind of drops at seven, eight, nine hundred, a thousand yards. Shit, dude, that's doing uh, it, man. So we're when when they drop, um, and that's not going to be the Black Fri- Black Friday uh, release. Um, right. This is something that I want to really hit. Um, you know, make sure everything's really dialed in, and and, and we do it right. Um, right. But that's one of the things we're tinkering with is uh, is being able to make a muzzle loader bullet that, um, you know, has a it, it, it fits into the straight wall like the, you know, the, the big bore straight wall states, Ohio, Indiana, um, I think is a straight wall. Definitely Ohio has a list of calibers, right? 450 Bushmaster, 358 Legend, um, 4570. Yep. Imagine being able to take that. And I've got a 450 Bushmaster that I built for my dad, and we've got a bullet that we can shoot half MOA at 700 yards with a 450 Bushy, and it takes a barrel, and all we do is swap the barrel on um, a Bighorn or a Curtis or something like that, right? It's 308 bolt head, they feed at them in the ICS magazine, and the cool thing is the 450 and the Legend, they're both designed around small pattern ARs. Right, so that all the factory ammo is designed to be a 2.26 or 2.28 or two and a quarter inch long thing. Well, if you're going to put in a bolt action, all of a sudden instead of two and a quarter inches, I yeah, got you got more room to play I with. I got two nine fifty to deal with. Yeah, you got right? more room to play with. Right, so so we can put together a 350 grain 45 caliber bullet that um you know it's not going to go 3,000 feet per second out of a Bushmaster. They're just there isn't the case capacity there to do it, yeah. but the brass is up to it, right? Because all the factory stuff is built around being able to put that big cartridge and that big bolt face into an AR. So it's pressure limited on what the gun can take, not what the brass can take. The brass is the same. It's 284 Winchester brass that got cut off its shoulder and a big bore bullet put into it. Mm-hmm. You load that to... 55 60 ksi and you load it like a regular rifle round i think you can do 25 2600 feet per second because i've seen it happen and now you've got a bullet that's um you know it's like uh it's it's kind of like lobbing um you know a 3006 with a 245 grain eol out of it that's a lot of snot yeah Yeah. right yeah it's Um, a lot of mass there's a lot of mass to it that's that's awesome I got like three quarters of an inch of this cigar left to go. I'm burning my fingers. Yeah, you get, <laughs> okay. get you a roach clip. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sitting here smoking it like a roach, man. Yeah, roach <clears> clip. <throat> yeah, that definitely opens up some options for those people in those unfortunate states. You know, uh, you know, Virginia, is, they've got a shotgun only um, gun season because you know what? You know what they're uh, now my, I'm talking about Virginia here. Do you know what the, the state's reasoning is they don't allow a rifle season? Why is that? They say it's too fucking flat. 
well, the majority of the state of fucking Virginia, you can't find me 200 yards. That's flat. I mean, that's true. You know, it's 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 a bullshit reason, but they well, yeah there there's bow bow and shotgun only. I mean it's pretty. I shit. live I live in a special regulations area of Pennsylvania where it's muzzleloader shotgun, um and you know in shotgun for slugs I've been using the 12 gauge Hornady ammo that's got like a 50 caliber pistol bullet um in a sabot, and it's a 200 yard maybe maybe 250 yards um in optimal conditions but it's really a 200 yard gun um that's partly due to the platform because i'm using a pump action with a rifled slug barrel on it but savage makes um 20s and 12s that are bolt actions that are insanely accurate with those things like they're they're one moa guns um so you know, but what gets you then is you've got a pistol bullet that's going 2,000 feet per second. It's flat based. It's like throwing a potato. Yeah. Right. So let's reload them and put in a bullet that weighs the same. It's 350 grains. Let's put a bullet in that thing that instead of having a BC, a G1 BC that's in the 0.25 range, let's put it in there where we've got a G7 that's in the 0.25 range. Now you're talking. So, now we're talking about a slug barrel, uh, you know, a shotgun that's 500 yards capable. Yeah. Yes. And now, you know what? With the primer shortage that we are experiencing right now, you can find shot shell primers all day, every day in every store that yep. sells them. I can't find ammo anywhere, but you know what? I drove down. I was going to go to shoot sporting clays with some friends um, two weekends ago. And rather than pay $35 a brick for shock shells for for 100 rounds rather than pay 35 bucks to the sporting place place i was like well let's see what walmart's got and i drove down there and i bought 600 rounds of shot shells i think i paid like 120 dollars for 600 rounds yeah like it's cheaper than nine millimeter ammo to buy 12 gauge right now yeah so um we can find 209 primers um and I, you know, like that's on the list as we get the the muzzle loader and the big bore straight wall solids done. Um, it's an immediate corollary to put it over into guns that shoot um, shotgun. Right. Well, so those, now we've those three platforms this. share one thing in common: they typically suck. As yep. far as distance accuracy, uh, they typically suck. And so you are you are unsucking the three platforms by incorporating your solids into them in their own perspective ways. I mean, it's you're you're doubling to tripling their effective capability just by swapping out with one of your bullets. I mean, that's, yep. that's awesome. Well, and that's something, you know, back to Frank, what Frank said is, um, you know, he's been on the, the new bullet kick for, several years back to 2015 16 16 time frame i think is when frank started shooting my solids when warner's you know through the the license stuff that warner's yeah. are making and i by remember the way, when the you people, first started shooting the warner's i remember that yep and and by the way a lot of people have asked um warner's and i still have a great relationship they still make the flat lines um there we all we did was change the exclusive to a non-exclusive basically it's me and warners that make the bullets now right. and um I dan's a great guy dan is a real he cool is. dude yep really good i dude. get along great with al i get along great with dan 
Um, they're super people. They're super, super machinists. Um, I have a fairly good idea of how to cut metal. And when I need help, you know, that's, those are the people that I call. They know everything inside and out. They're, they're phenomenal at it. So, um, you know, like nothing's changed in their regard there. You can still get flat lines. If you're a flat line shooter, you still get flat lines. Um, and as updates and things come out of me making the bullets directly and having uh, more hands-on, more developments come, I still feed developments to those guys oh, you know, yeah. to, to, to update their lines. Yeah, you know, you're not leaving them out in the cold. I mean, it, you know, you're not doing that. Y'all are, y'all are maintaining not only a good personal relationship, but also a good business relationship as well, which is yep. awesome. I mean, hey, yep. rising tide raises all boats. That's right. Yep. And all right, I, I think we're going to get one more out of this because now my fingers are burning the whole time. <laughs> you look like a fucking crackhead. <laughs> you look like fucking Hunter Biden right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't black out with a crack pipe on my pillow yet. So. Yeah, after you just snored a line of, a line of coke <laughs> off a fucking 14-year-old girl's ass. Uh, after his niece's ass. Yeah, it's fucking... Dude, how... Morally bankrupt crime family. Dude, if me and you did that shit, we would be... We would be on a podcast. We would be, we'd be, doing... we'd be gang raped in prison. Yeah. Which is exactly yeah, what I mean, that son of a bitch needs. Like Don Jr. said, you know? If he did the shit that Hunter Biden did, he'd be feeding quarters in from Rikers Island trying to do... You know, trying to campaign for his dad on collect phone calls. Yeah, while pulling the fucking 12-inch dick out of his ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. That's you what know. happens, but... Um, yeah, the, uh, the solids are, I, th- I think once people get past the, in- the initial cost of them, um, and, uh, because I'll tell you though, because these smaller caliber solids that you're doing it, yes, they're more expensive than, than most jacketed bullets, of course, but they're not what people think about. You don't hear the cha-ching from a register every time you pull the trigger on them. Um, they're not that expensive. Whereas, you know, the big 416s, the big 50s, the 375s, yeah, I can I can understand that. You know, you don't want to be uh, you know, out fun fun plinking with those bad boys. But uh once yeah, but nobody, people get back, nobody I does. Going, I mean Right. You shoot 375. It doesn't matter if it's my bullet or a cutting edge, or even the 350 Sierra or the or the big A tip. Like you load that thing up, it costs five dollars minimum. The cheapest you ever pull the trigger on a Shaytac is five bucks, and that's like with the Serbian. I think there's like uh, PPU made some 375 Shaytac brass, and mm. shit costs two bucks a piece. Um, you know, and like Peterson makes phenomenal brass. This stuff's three dollars a piece. Why would you buy the Serbian stuff when you can buy Peterson and get world class brass for a dollar a piece more? You know, and <clears throat> when you look at the cost, um, you know, reloading it, I, I've done some 375 stuff, and you know, like we're all going to load it at least ten times, right? It, you know, with the annealers that are out there and the reloading equipment that's out there now. We're going to reload it 10 times in our sleep and not worry about it. You can reload that brass 20 times. So, you know, if it costs $2 for a piece of brass versus $3 for a piece of brass and you reloaded it 10 times, 
that's only 10 cents a round. Yeah. You're talking about something that costs a $5 bill and really costs more like seven fifty to $9 to shoot that thing. Are you worried about 10 cents? No, you're not. Um, and that, and the same thing goes through for, um, for the solids, like the six millimeter, the 95s, right? When you buy, like if you buy 50 of them from me, yeah, they're a little more expensive than an ATIP. Not a whole lot, but they're more expensive. But the, the bulk pricing is right on the website. You, you know, you buy 2,000 of them and they cost less than ATIPs. They don't cost a huge amount more than burgers. But my 6BR and Jeff's Dasher have barrel lives that completely nullify the difference in price versus, say, the 109s. But my little 95 grain bullet out of a BR is going just as fast as a 6XC or a 6 Creedmoor pushes a 109 with the same ballistic coefficient, um, 10, 12, 14 grains less powder, and two plus times the barrel life. Yeah. So all of the cost that's spent on the bullet comes back to you in the cost of components and barrel life. Co- overall cost of ownership to pull the trigger one time equates to shooting the bigger caliber you're getting the same performance the same trajectory you're doing it for substantially less recoil which means in a prs world where we're shooting big guns with a break off of a barricade that 95 grain in a in a br is more competitive to a shooter than say running 109s at 3100 feet per second out of creedmoor yeah, because you get the same benefits uh, as running that 109 going that fast, but you also get the benefit of running a 95 grain bullet with this much powder, very uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, very substantially less powder, a third of the powder, well, a third less powder in the BR. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're running 31, 32 grains of powder in a BR under 95 instead of shooting a 109 with 42 grains of powder, 43 grains of powder in it. Um, you know, so, you know, there are, it's not, I I talk to a lot of folks who are like, Oh my God, as soon as I see the price tag, Oh, that's it. I'm out. Well, think, let's think through the cost of ownership here. Right. And this is the same thing. It goes into any sport, any hobby, any, any pastime, right? The cost of the boat is just the start. You just bought a boat, right? Yeah. You got a boat, (laughs) right? You bought the boat. Okay, you're going to spend as much money on the fishing gear, the fuel, the maintenance, all the other shit that goes along with that boat as you are on that gorgeous new boat you've got. Thank you talked to Jeff. Jeff got uh, yeah. know, he's he's got a, several gorgeous boats. We yeah. go offshore fishing with Jeff. He's not worried about the fact that, you know, we we lose a lure to, you know, a 12 or 14 dollar lure to a Wahoo. He's thinking yeah. about the fact that he spent a thousand dollars on fuel that day. Yeah, and then uh, you know th- the boat itself is a half million dollar boat. So, I mean, right? I mean, right. that's a big that's a big expense. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, and and I mean, hell, just pulling that son of a bitch. You gotta buy if you don't have a truck, like a diesel to pull it. You have to buy if you buy the boat. You go. You have to buy the truck to pull the fucker. Right. So, so there's gotta- another sixty five, seventy thousand in a truck. That at you're going to spend money on, you know, at least plus yeah. the towing package and the brake controller and everything else goes into it. You know, you're, you're buying a, a six figure boat and you're putting damn near six figures into a tow vehicle. And, you know, like I, I drive a hybrid, right? Yeah. I you, drive a hybrid you ain't pulling a 36 foot yellow fin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I, I'm going to pull a, you know, like a, a six foot Harbor Freight trailer to, I can't even pull that full of chips. We have to get chips picked up now because I can't make a run to the, either I'm going to run chips three days a week, or I'm going to wait a month and I'm going to have somebody shows up in a liftgate diesel truck and we're going to fill the back of that truck with barrels full of chips. You need a truck, by the way. You need to get you a real truck. You need it. And write it off on Patriot Valley Arms taxes. Hey, this it's it's a yeah. put a slap a PVA sticker on both sides. It's advertising. Uh, I pick up barrel shipments in it. Uh, do, do do write it off, man. Pick get, go get you a nice truck, and and, uh, and there you go. Bob's your uncle. You yeah. gotta get you a truck. Boat, uh, but, boat. But, we don't we yeah. don't tow a boat with this. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the solids, you know, I think, I think they're, you give it another year or two, you're going to see the solid game in our world. Not, I mean, the solids aren't anything new, you know, in the ELR world. Okay. Because kind of like owning that yellow fin, everything's expensive because, well, you're offshore fishing. That offshore fishing is expensive. ELR is expensive. Now, Back to what we touched on your last time on the podcast is uh, this this game with these uh, solids that you have, you can get in that game in, I think, a lot cheaper budget with giving, hey, get a 300 rum. That's a hey, that uses that's a, a, a standard long action magazine mm-hmm. uh, or long, long action uh, receiver. And, you know, brass is not crazy. Um, yep. Powder isn't crazy. Uh, and then you've got bullets that get you out there. And then you, you can do those long, <clears throat> long shots. Well, a perfect example of that is um, I have a, a mag-fed long-action 300 WSM shoots, shooting my 240s. Now, it's about 150 feet per second slower than a buddy's Shaytac shooting He's shooting the um, the cutting edge 400 laser 407s or something like that. I make up because the BC on that 240 is so high. I have a repeating 300 WSM that shoots 67 grains of powder. It's a dollar fifty for the bullet, and it's a standard action. I don't have a ten thousand dollar rifle that's got to be fed eight dollar bills. Instead, I put a barrel on it, a shockwave break and a dollar 50 on a bullet so we're we're shooting i have a 300 wsm that is that has made consecutive hits at 25 2800 yards and i'm doing it for three bucks a round or less now i know you're in a long action but that is a short action cartridge that you're touching reaching out and touching those kind of distances with that is crazy you know, yep. and, 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 and given the solid, the, the, the length of the bullet is so long on a solid, you have to have a long action. But the cartridge itself is a short action cartridge. And it's that is that's mind boggling to reach out to those distances out of a short action cartridge. Um, it, it, yeah, and that, and the retained energy, you know, a lot of the, the stuff that, um, you know, there's there's the shortcoming of that. Right. It's a great training round for ELR. The shortcoming of that is it doesn't have the dirt splash. But right. let's look at that from a hunting perspective, right? I've got something that um, you have phenomenal capability to bring energy on target inside of a thousand yards. Um, I think I sent you the pictures. I posted them on Instagram 
of a sub seven pound six and a half Creedmoor 22 inch barrel I shot a, a half MOA group at 500 with um, 122 grain bullets and when they're hitting at 500 yards they're still well over 2,000 feet per second that 122 has the same BC as the 130 burger hybrid but you're not taking a 130 burger hybrid and pushing it at 30, 50, 30, 70, 3,100 feet per second from a 6.5 Creedmoor. Especially you know, you're on a 22-inch. No. No, and I'm, not, and I'm not going 31 out of a 22-inch gun either. I'm, I'm going, yeah. like, right at 3,000. Right. Um, 29, still 7, cooking. 3, still cooking. But, you're, you know, these are speeds that you get from the lighter bullets. But because the ballistic coefficient of these bullets is so high, and that's I – mean, shit, dude, that's a an open-tip expanding – hunting bullet right and and the hybrid was not meant to be that I and mean, i've killed a lot of critters with the 130 hybrid i really like the 130 hybrid but that is not the game in which it was meant to be played with it plays well but it uh this that 122 grain that's exactly the game that that bullet was made for and it has that type of performance uh ballistically yep, yep. I mean, and, it, and <clears throat> the retained energy said. is there because the speed is retained you know um uh energy is uh half times mass times velocity squared right so the mass drops a little bit but you make it up in the velocity and the ballistic coefficient is very high so you keep that velocity so you end up with more energy on target and um i was having this discussion with with gmo from prime this 122 as compared to say like a barnes ttsx or some of the other uh, more mainstream, uh, lead-free hunting designated bullets. The GMX. It, yeah, GMX. I mean, GMX is a good bullet too, but it doesn't have the BC that these. No, it's like do. throwing a rock. Yeah, it's like I mean. Um, yeah, BC and it, wise, and it's like a fucking rock. So if you use the thousand foot-pound metric, which is like the you know the gun rag gold standard, outdoor life, field and stream, all these other you know magazines talk about hunting with. Uh, you don't need a thousand for, for foot. Yes. You, you don't, right? But but uh, you know like let's uh, let, let's talk about the thousand foot pound is that you know like for Jack Cooper talked about with the two seventy, you know thousand foot pounds is kill elk, right? You can. You get um, out of a 6.5 Creedmoor with a 120 TTSX um, at 3,000 feet per second, I think you've got something like 450 or 490, about 500 yards with 1,000 foot-pounds on tap. With the 122s and the load that I'm shooting out of my 22-inch sub-7-pound 6.5 Creed, I've got almost 900 yards of 1,000 foot-pounds at sea level. I don't know yeah. a lot of elk that live at sea level. They live more like, you know, three, four, seven, eight, ten thousand foot. So, you know, we're talking about a, a practically a thousand yard, um, six and a half Creedmoor that is elk capable. Yeah. And and that's that's something to be said too. And yet you can still take uh, a rifle like we're talking about the the big thirties that uh you know th- that 300 prc is becoming you know really popular now it's kind of taking over the wind mag section of the uh market um mm-hmm. you know you can take the the big the 240 and shoot an elr match on saturday and then 
you know, switch over to the hunting solid on Sunday for it. Yeah, the 210, yep. you know, to go hunt on Sunday or the next weekend. And bam, I mean, you've got a lot of powder pushing that bullet and can go a long way and retain a lot of energy. People, uh, peop, something you touched on. Now, I, I would, I dare say most people know this that are listening to this podcast. But I know there's a, probably a lot of people that don't realize the effect that BC has uh, on velocity. Okay, so everyone knows the uh, higher the BC, the more it fights to win. So they're only thinking the lateral portion of what BC does. But you're not taking into account also, well, just how it does buck win laterally better. It bucks win literally linearly that's a word um to where you have less elevation longer retained velocity it's fighting the wind that the bullet is going into to you know give you less drop so it works both ways and so you're having that energy higher energy due to higher bc as well yep and it's important to, to remember that and I think yep. some people don't. They just think like, oh, okay, so I'll have a, a, a so I'll have a tenth or two better wind call. Well, n- yes, you have that, but you have also, you're going, you know, 350 feet per second or more, depending on the velocity and the distance, or depending on the cartridge and the distance. You've got that much more velocity carrying that much more energy on your target as well, whether it be to move a steel plate to see a splash in the dirt or to, you know put something in the you know put an animal down you know and so the bc has a lot to play in that yep yeah the the retained velocity on target is what uh you know penetration wound channel right retained velocity on target and the retained velocity on target is what causes that temporary wound cavity the hydrostatic shock um you Mm -hmm. know and that's that's where um that's where rifles shine. That's where, you know, like muzzle loaders are big guns. The reason they're big guns is they're throwing a big fat piece of lead. And, you know, if like we, like I said a couple minutes ago, mass times velocity squared. If you ain't got the velocity, you've got to make it up on the mass. Right. And that's where the smokeless muzzle loaders are phenomenal is that, you know, some of these guys are running 300 grain bullets, 275 grain bullets out of 45 caliber guns. They're running them at 3,000, 30, 50, 3,100 feet per second. If your shoulder can take it, the gun can do it. Yeah. So that's where it's these not 700 a fun gun yards, to shoot. Oh, my God. They're brutal. They're absolutely brutal. I shot. I saw it. <clears throat> I have a 50 caliber muzzle loader barrel for my TL3, and I loaned it to uh, one of the guys that works for me. And then a couple weeks later, I found out I was going to get them to um, muzzle loader hunt. And so I wasn't about to tell Chris, oh, hey, like, you know, you went out, you did this load development, stuff like that. Guess what? I need that barrel back. You know, like I wasn't going to pull the rug out from him. So another friend of mine loaned me his 45 cal and um, we put a shockwave on it. We make shockwaves for arrowhead precision for big bore guns and arrowheads got them. Like if somebody out there is listening and they're running, um, you know, a 458 or a 40 or a 44 or something like that. One of those big bore muzzle loaders and you're getting your shit pushed in by the, the recoil that's coming from it. Luke's got the solution for you. He's got those muzzle brakes on the shelf 
Um, we don't typically sell them out because he called me and said, hey, I've got this application. I need these things. Guy comes to me with that idea and he's buying brakes from me. I'm not going to pull the, the rug out from him. Just go grab right. one. You know, they're they're fantastic. Um, to the point that I'm watching Trace and I'm watching impacts at 100 yards, 150 yards, where, you know, normally you pull the trigger and you're lucky if you can still see the plate swinging by the time you find um, your sight picture a second time. Right. I made the mistake of shooting. So I watched the trace hit the doe that I shot at <clears throat> 500 yards. I did two days prior to that. I did some load work up at the range and I was like, well, let's just see how bad this thing is. And I was shooting that 300 grainer about 2,700 feet a second. Mm. I took the muzzle brake off. And I lit off one round and that was it. I will never, ever do that again. Yeah, that's, that's uh, a know, bad day for everybody. Yeah. So a good break, you know, you cut that recoil down. Instead of having to shoot those gigantic bullets, you know, you can shoot a lighter bullet, faster speed, and that's a benefit. And that's where, um, you know, like the 122 in a Creedmoor is putting together performance that is seen with 6.5 PRCs and 7 SOMs when you're shooting a conventional bullet. Um, right. <clears throat> so... You know, like the the the, uh, the gains that we get, the the convenience that we get as uh, rifle builders and precision rifle owners from shooting something with an interchangeable bolt head or a second bolt and swapping a barrel, that's great. Um, for the guy who's starting to dabble in this or somebody who might not have the budget to go out and build a complete new rifle just to be able to shoot, um, you know, to shoot. 100 rounds a year to kill a couple animals with it you can switch bullets and now you've got something that gives you that capability that gives you the penetration and the energy on target to knock those big animals down you're not going out and you're not you're a you're not absorbing the cost of a whole new caliber a whole new rifle another scope all below development you're you're able to go take care of all of this um and uh and and do it with a pretty mild investment you know yeah absolutely Uh, couple hundred bullets for me for the bullets themselves is more expensive than going out and buying a box of GMXs. Yep. But it's a whole lot cheaper than going out and buying a new gun or a new barrel and a new set of brass and a new set of dies and all the load development and a new powder. Um, you know, if you're a six, five Creedmoor shooter and you decide you're going to get into a seven Psalm to go kill mule deer but right now, Go find you some H1000. It's not gonna happen. Negative. I got a little bit, but I'm not. I'm not using it right now. So I've yep. got like three packs of it. <clears throat> yep. Um, you know, so there's a lot of convenience that comes from shooting a better bullet, and you know, like building a whole new rifle. That's cool. Like we're gun guys, right? I don't have to sell guys on the idea of building a new rifle. But come to you every day to do it. Right. And that's great. But let's make it more convenient and think about it. Can we put a new barrel on it? Yeah, we could put a barrel on it, but a barrel is at least 500 bucks. And by the time you put a barrel and a brake and new brass and dies and your time at the loading bench and the components that are all involved, you're not putting a $500 or $600 or $700 barrel on it. You're putting a $15 or $1,700 investment into that. Um, and that's where, you know, like the muzzle loaders themselves and Gunworks is making a really nice product, but that's a 
something like a fourteen thousand dollar gun. Expensive as fuck for a muzzle loader. Right. You can take your Hancock and I can make you a forty five caliber smokeless muzzle loader barrel and you can put that on the front of your Hancock and and shoot yeah, the like the DSGs and the you know, and those big bullets right now, they're two and a half bucks a shot. The solids that I'm planning on bringing out they're probably going to be two and a half bucks. There's not that much volume and there's a gigantic expensive piece of copper that's going into them. Yep. But you, instead of going out and saying, okay, well you got a muzzleloader season in North Carolina. We had a muzzleloader season in Pennsylvania and I live in a muzzleloader and shotgun only area. Well, if I can hunt on a piece of private property that has a 700 yard shot, I'm not accomplishing that with a rifled slug out of a 12 gauge. I'm probably not accomplishing that unless I'm Davy Crockett. I'm not going to make that happen with a 45 caliber round ball. But shooting something that's a lot closer to like my 308, heck yeah, man, I'll take a shot on a deer at 700 yards in a 308 in the right conditions, you know, or 300 Win Mac. Lots of us will. There's a lot of people that can make that shot. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, if the cost is, um, you know, is a barrel and some modules and a break and, and some expensive bullets. Now we're talking about something that like you get that extra season. Right. I own two crossbows. One of my crossbows was sixteen hundred bucks. I use a sixteen hundred dollar crossbow with a thirty dollar arrow and a nineteen dollar broadhead to kill four deer a year. Then I hang it back up. And I don't touch it for 11 months. I take it out. I double check my scope. I've still got $2,000 plus wrapped into being able to archery hunt. So, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable that we're, you know, we're proposing the idea of, of building a muzzle loader for guys that, yeah, they're, you know, maybe they're $1,200 into their conversion kit, but they've got that extra. Well, yeah, not only that, season. but think about, think about what that muzzle loader hunt me or what goes into it you have a muzzle loader there's no real second shots right right it, it, there's in in all reality i mean has someone gotten a second shot off of the muzzle loader yes of course so but it's not common and that first shot needs to be your money shot that needs to be your fucking load splurged and hit the target because otherwise yep. That deer's fucking off, and yep. or or you wounded it, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you, you that first, it's you might as well look at it as I've got one, I got one shot, and that's it. I need to make that one shot count. And so the most accurate you can be, and with the most, you know, I guess kinetic energy on target means more than it does with if I'm out there with my. 6.5 Creedmoor, my 300 Win Mag, or my Dasher shooting a deer. I mean, I can, I can have another round rack before he hits the ground. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, um, and I actually did with that uh, first, uh, the second buck I killed this year. I had the next round in the chamber um, before he made it to, I mean, 15 yards from where I hit him. So, you don't get that luxury with a muzzle loader it so it th- th- there's something to be said about that and the importance of that you need to make sure that that money shot counts right yep 
Yeah, and it, and as hunters, you know, we spend a lot of money on gear, on camo, on tags, um, and that's just to hunt in our home state. You know, you go out west and you pull a muzzleloader tag in a trophy elk area. You want to take a flintlock out there. You want to take something that shoots a potato at 1,600 feet per second, or you know, it like it says you must have a muzzleloader. Okay. You know, Federal just came out with the the fire stick, or I think they call it, or the light stick or something like that. And it takes a bespoke gun. It has to be shot in a specific way. It has to use their ammo. Um, And in some states, it's illegal because the states say, okay, it's got to be a muzzleloader, but the primary charge has to go down the front of the barrel. The fire stick is a breech-loading charge with a muzzle-loading bullet. It's not legal in those states. Um, you know, never so even heard it, of it. Oh God, there's so many laws. There's so many pieces. No, the, of the, the talking about the, the federal, the federal fire, uh, the, whatever you're talking uh, about. You heard of it. it? It's it's pretty new. Um, I found out about it this year because I was getting more into the muzzleloader stuff, and Jim Gilliland is uh has been talking about it. He got some deer. I think he got a deer with his. Um, and it's got pretty impressive performance. It's like 2,000 feet per second. Uh, I think he's getting an SD of like 18, um, and it loads fairly fast. But um, he doesn't have, it, you know, I think he said it's like a, it's about a two MOA gun. Okay, so right. he's got a two MOA gun at 2,000 feet per second. And he's shooting basically that well, you know what my 12 gauge does, but it's a muzzle loader, so he can shoot it in muzzle loader areas. As right. long as the law allows for him to, to load the powder from the breach. Um, I can't use it in Pennsylvania, but I right. can use a smokeless muzzle loader that shoots like my 308. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, and it shoots, you know, you said, you know, one MOA. I mean, half, half of the size, double, double the accuracy of, of that thing does. Oh no, this, this smokeless gun is ridiculous. Like I, I put a couple of groups up on, um, Instagram. I shot, I got an SD of three and I put a three round group in the head of an Ipsic torso at 500 yards. That group is, is well under one MOA. It's close to a half MOA group. Nice. Even better. Um, and, better. and the great thing is it's like that barrel's got like 90 rounds down it. It's not going to, I'm not going to burn it out anytime soon. You know, we worry mm-hmm. about what's the barrel life on a six Creed or six BR or Dasher or six, five Creed more, um, you know, and we don't worry about what's the barrel life on a 300 PRC. That's a hunting rifle, because if it lasts for a thousand rounds, well, great. If you killed a thousand mule deer with that thing, you don't care how much it costs to put a new barrel on it. No, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not at all. <clears throat> so, you know, just like we can do prefits by, you know, changing the bolt face and throwing a seven som barrel on something. Um, the other benefits to these smokeless muzzle loaders, I can do a prefit for a TL3 and you can throw this thing on. And now you're like the one I'm running right now is on a Curtis Vector. It uses a 308 bolt face. Um, Jason pulled the ejector out of the thing. Um, and the bighorn is like an, an optimal uh, you know, or your nucleus, right? Something with mm-hmm. a with a blade style ejector so it doesn't kick your five dollar brass priming module out the side of the tree stand. Right. Um, but he he took the ejector out, and it takes me about thirty seconds to load the thing if I'm not hustling. Um, 
you know, but if he wanted to, you know, I'll give him uh, transfer the gun back to him and, and, uh, he could turn it into a six BR and shoot PRS matches with it. And it would take him less than an hour to put all the pieces back together. And it's a, it's in an MPA chassis. It's got a brake on it. It has a Vortex PST Gen 2 on top. Like, it does not look like a muzzle loader. No, um, I've, I've seen a picture it, of it. It does not like a muzzle loader. Yep. But, it, you know, it checks all the boxes. And I could just imagine the, the hell I would go through if I was hunting public land and a game officer saw that thing in muzzle loader season. Oh, my God. He'd fucking blow a gasket. And But then whenever you would show him, like, the deal on it, he'd be like, he it would blow his mind. He'd be like, "Holy hell, that is the coolest mm-hmm. shit I've ever seen." <laughs> right? Yeah, that would be one of those things. Like, here's my card. Let me know when you want to go shoot it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you remember that next time you see me in the woods, asshole? Don't <laughs> right. yeah. come bugger up my hunt. Yep. Well, dude, we did uh, two hours and sixteen minutes. Um, that's a great yeah. podcast. Um. A lot, lot of good info in, in this one, man. Um, is there anything that you want to get out as far as for uh, PVA or uh, anything that we haven't touched on? No, I think we, we covered quite a bit of stuff. Um, you know, we can always do another one. Maybe we'll do yeah. another one when we get closer to Black Friday and, and talk about the new yeah, things that ab- we're going to drop. Absolutely. And then if uh, – Maybe, maybe uh, as soon as the fish start biting again and get you come down, we'll do one. We'll smoke some cigars while we record one. And talk that shit. That sounds pretty good. Yep. 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 All right, dude. Well, maybe well, guys, we come down and fish. Maybe we get uh, me, you, and Jeff all you know sit down and do a podcast together. We don't have to do it over Skype. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Make I, sure I, we I sit, sit six feet apart so uh, you know the piece of shit elect who's claiming to to be the next president and he's not even the elect <laughs> oh oh speaking of which hey not not to get it back going again but i read today that the associated press actually pulled pennsylvania from biden having the lead <clears throat> they did um so and, he, and trump won north carolina today yep yep so. trump won north carolina today um the lead in arizona has been recalled it's been recanted pennsylvania has been recanted and the head of the legislation body in Pennsylvania, I forget her name uh, or exactly what her title is, but she has pushed for a full recount and a full investigation with um, with Pennsylvania as well. So good. Uh, yep. So anyway. and so the media needs to quit calling him elect. He, he ain't elect yeah. shit. He ain't nothing. Nope. So. All right, homie. Well, guys, I appreciate y'all listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did having it and doing the podcast today. Um, Josh did me a big solid by coming solid, no pun intended. Um, uh, by coming on tonight. Um, Dave Preston was actually um, supposed to come on tonight, but he's got a lot of stuff going on at the shop and got a bunch of youngins and all that stuff. So he's, uh, he, he we're going to have to reschedule, but I'm going to get Dave on soon. And we're going to talk some Armageddon cup and, uh, some gray ops stuff. And I love what he's got going on over at gray ops and just, yep. just match shooting in, in particular. Um, you know, Dave's been in the game a long time and has wrecked so much shit in his time. Um, and he actually enjoys his, uh, shockwave break. 
So he's yep. he's he's. Yep, I he's actually asked him about it recently, and he he says he really really enjoys that break, loves it. Yep. So anyway, guys, uh, stay tuned. Um, I'll get Dave on. He'll be in the next podcast, and uh, hopefully I'll get that out sooner rather than later. But um, thanks for all the support. Um, again, like I mentioned in the video I posted, uh, I'm 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 making my move over from Instagram and Facebook over to uh parlor and um go check me out over there if you don't have a parlor account get one and 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 start uh weaning off of the the leftist elitist uh big tech giants known as instagram facebook and twitter um yep. i think parlor over work on out parlor good. as well yep same yep. same uh same username patriot valley so we moved as well. And, uh, we're, you know, for right now, I'm still putting stuff up on Instagram as we build up our parlor following. But, uh, you know, I'd like to get off of uh, off of Instagram. So, yeah, me too. I'm the same boat. Then they there are. I mean, everyone knows that's been messing with it, knows that there's been some glitches and uh, stuff. And, and they are aware of that. And they sent me an email today um, saying that they are currently working on it with their developers and they i i feel that every just like everything else they're going to have they're going through their growing pains but i think it'll be worth it to they're going to get it fixed because they're seeing a gigantic influx of um accounts because uh of like the great exodus um and uh they're they're going to get their poop in a group they're going to get everything right and all the bugs worked out i like the platform the way it's laid out i I think i'm really liking it so yep anyway cool all right Uh, Stay on the line, and I'll, uh, I'm going to stop the recording here. Thanks, guys.